Hello and welcome to the MinMax Show, a good place to forget bad things. I'm Ben Hansen and I'm joined by Kyle Hilliard. Hello. Sergio Vasquez. Hello. Jeff Marchiafava. Hey. And calling from his wonderful <laughs> podcasting studio as he cracks some sort of drink, Dan Reichert. Uh, I'm blasting. This is a podcast zone. I'm here in the Pizone. Hell yeah. Uh, thanks They're for being here, Dan. Calling. It's, it's Discord. Oh, right. You have true. a monument to Terminator and Super Mario Sunshine in your home, I guess? There's actually way more Rocky stuff in here than there is uh, Terminator. Uh, yeah, it's mostly Rocky, actually. Dan, oh, is this okay. your return to video game podcasting since leaving Giant Bomb? Or, or what's your... I, I was on uh, some Patreon show right after I left Giant Bomb, explaining about leaving Giant Bomb. I can't oh, that was we have a standalone Minmax interview, yeah, but that doesn't mm-hmm. count as like a real big podcast. That was a little side hustle. Uh, I did a little bit for the Beastcast, and I did a stream with Giant Bomb. But as far as the podcast, I think I just did a little uh, Beastcast uh, email thing. Gotcha. Uh, I've been obsessed with how much you've been streaming. Uh, you have seemed Me to have lost your mind. What's going on yeah. over there? Uh, turns out I really like playing video games, um, and I like doing it with an audience, and it's a great excuse to play things I wouldn't normally play. Like, I don't think I would sit down and play through, like, Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door, even though I've always been curious that, like, oh, I never finished that game. Uh, but now it's like, I made the promise, and now people expect me to do it, and it's a great motivator to, like, oh, I'm gonna play this, and then I'm gonna replay Beautiful Joe afterwards, and Mercenaries, and, like, stuff I wouldn't do on my lonesome. You are very primed for this episode then, because what we're talking about is uh, a while ago, we had an episode that was about the greatest games of the decade going from 2000. What was it? 2010 through 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it was a great time. Huge discussion. And we said, you know what? In these quarantine times, we should probably whip out the best episode that we can. And so we came up with a brilliant idea of let's do that again, except for the decade before that and dan you seem to be an expert on all games from 2000 through 2009 yes uh, i actually just ranked my top 100 games of all time and a lot of them fit firmly within that decade so i'm ready to talk about this if you need to i I tweeted the final list out in case you need to uh check out the official rankings but you guys can do your little dog and pony show here too Jeffem, uh, Picross 3D Round Two is on that list. Just a, mm. Mm. there's a new there's a new Picross 3D. It's on Switch. What? It's a uh, Voxelgram. I just downloaded it. Um, yeah, it's it seems like the it's touchscreen. It seems a little wonky with the interface, but it's just straight up Picross 3D. But it's not it's not Nintendo published. No, it's five dollars on the eShop. It's on sale right now. I think it just came out. Uh, right. My chat's only about it on Twitch, I'm, and uh, it's it's Picross 3D. Dan, uh, I hate how you pronounce that game, but uh, I'm obsessed with how, you know, when you're on MinMax before and we talked about you kind of stepping behind the scenes, leaving the game industry, you seem to really relish the idea of like, you know what, I don't need to be the face of everything anymore. I can take a step back. And now it's, ah, follow me on Twitch, sub me big time. Ah, Here's my damn good. face again. Yeah. That's well, your right? Sub me big time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, it can both be true, right? Where it's no. like my actual, I have a day job, I work at the car wash, mm. and uh, that, I'm kind of behind the scenes, and, uh, you know, I, I'm producing things. It's not a car wash, I produce podcasts outside right. of here. Right, And uh, But it is behind the scenes, and it's not about me. And maybe, I don't know, like, you always question your own narcissism, Hanson. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. And so, like, yeah, I don't know what percentage of the Twitch stuff is me just like, you know, hey, look at me, I'm doing game stuff, and yeah. which side is just, like, out of that love of games and missing the, like, being a part of the industry thing, because it's been 15 years I was in the industry, and, like, I don't work in it anymore, but I still want to be in it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I just think it's fascinating. It's the perfect role for you to 
have a Twitch stream where it's debating the greatest games of all time and it's just you. Like, no one I, can interrupt. It's perfect. <laughs> it's, it's ideal. It's just me that I have to worry about. Everything's right all the time. It's great. I mean, you're also inspired by your rivalry with Mike Mahardy. Uh, oh, you know what? It's been really fun doing stream stuff with him. Uh, we really like playing uh, Super Mega Baseball. I might be on his banjo stream. Uh, we might do a banjo and baseball Sundays. Um, mm. Go back and forth <laughs> on each other's streams. Of course. It's fun. I saw you were playing. Command and Conquer against each other. It's been a blast. Yeah, which Command and Conquer are you playing? Red Alert 2 and uh, Yuri's Revenge stuff. Uh, do you have thoughts on that remake? Because that's coming up in like a couple weeks here, right? I just saw something on Discord about that. Like something about like they announced mod support. And I had no idea. It's really like coming soon. I think it's a couple weeks away. Yeah. That's incredible. So that's just Red Alert. Are they doing Red Alert and the first one? Command and Conquer. I don't know. I've never been a Command and Conquer guy, but you're the guy that follows video game news. <laughs> I guess that's true. I have uh, <laughs> I realized that I was slipping into that old role too, and I was like, oh no, I'm becoming another Dan Reichert here. Where I uh, convinced my friend Ronnie, best friend Ronnie from the Final Fantasy VII Game Club. By the way, Ronnie uh, records with us now, Dan. It's very strange. Wait, Ronnie, Ronnie? <laughs> yes, the Ronnie. The guy Ronnie. that ate the sand. <laughs> Wait, what's that story? <laughs> The guy that ate the sand. I don't know the story you're talking about. He ate you sand. were there while Jesse was shoving sand into his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> At like three in the morning at that park where we found a homeless well, guy Well, look, slide. it's all good times. It's all in the past. <laughs> we're going to talk about the past. No, but I convinced him to buy Warcraft 2 on good old games. Uh, and we, so we've been playing Warcraft 2. And playing old RTS games is a thrill. It definitely feels like my yeah. wheelhouse. But at the same time, like the pathing. In Warcraft 2, makes me want to pull my hair out. Like, is there what's driving you nuts about Command and Conquer going back to the old Nothing. stuff? Is, is holding it, up pretty it well? Ex- it's every single bit. Of, you know, we talked about on the stream where I thought that, like, removed from nostalgia, it is still just so much fun. It's yeah. like when I'm playing it, I'm not like, oh, this old track. I mean, we've played like eight, nine hours a, a stream, and so it's like the nostalgia pop is 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 done. You know, like we're just playing the video game at that point. And it's so much fun still. I don't have any issues. But I, I don't play modern RTS, you know, so I don't know, like, right. how much better it's gotten. I played StarCraft Two when it I came mean, out. I mean, that's that's about as, in, in my mind, that's about as modern as you need for RTS, right? I okay. think you get I, I mean, I didn't really go past, what, 2001, uh, whenever uh, Red Alert 2 was. So, hey, to me, it's still top of the line. Yeah. Uh, hey, Kyle, you know what else comes out this week? Is Saints Row 3 Remastered. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Uh, yeah, I guess that's true. So it's coming out on Epic Game Store uh, consoles, not Switch, but that does have like the original Saints Row 3. It's a port that doesn't run too great and all that stuff. But uh, boy, uh, playing through the opening of Saints Row 3 again is very wild. It reminds you how far we've come since 2011, which on my mind, it's like, that wasn't that long ago. Then you go back and play this thing. It's like that skydiving sequence is Woo! Like the remaster, like you can see from trailers Wait, and stuff. Is that like, a good woo or a bad woo? I think it's a little bit of a rough woo is how I would okay. describe that one. Uh, because my my reaction was like, oh, I forget how like insane this game is right off the bat. Like technically yeah. sort of, you know, uh, aged poorly. But like, it's like I'm, I'm jumping off a plane in like the first five minutes of this game. And it's like that that part was kind of like, whoa, this is crazier than I remember well, somehow. Hanson, I mean, you were on that trip with me. That must have been one of your first cover story that trips, right? That was the third Game Informer cover story I did, yeah. So we jumped in Andrew Reiner's car and drove down to Champaign, Illinois to visit Volition, which is like, what a cool studio. Like, that trip made me mm-hmm. appreciate Volition so much more and their bizarre history, but yeah. With me and Jeff Cork in uh, the backseat trying to get the GameCube with the screen to work, uh, trying to play Zelda 2, which is you know, the way to do that. You're right. I mean, but, I'm sitting in the front seat trying to listen to podcasts where Reiner's blasting his band on the car stereo, yep. so it's a pretty yep. cool setup overall. The whole CD on loop. Yep. 
<laughs> Definitely remember that. Yeah. What do you um, remember from that trip? What do you remember about them showing you and stuff? Well, I think we were both nervous because you were, it was your third trip. You were still pretty new and it was my first time writing a cover story. And so I just remember like just taking so many notes and just trying to, you know, take in everything they were giving us. Yeah. And they were so big on like, we want to go super duper over the top and have these giant cutscene moments. And they, they kind of front loaded it, if I remember right, because it starts with the big bank robbery thing, right? Is that the very first thing? That is, yeah. I think for the cover trip, I, think, I remember they showed us the plane sequence, like jumping out of the plane. Yes. And then that was one of like the early cover designs too, but yeah. Yeah, and I even remember like back then thinking that like, okay, I appreciate, like they're just basically going for like balls out action, just like dumb, like almost like South Park, almost like a parody of like an action movie. Right. Um, but I remember thinking the like controls and stuff, it's very much... Not on rails, but it's like, okay, you're falling and you can press this button to turn and this button to turn. And like yeah, yeah, visually yeah. it's it's hitting that tone they're going for, but it's not like, it wasn't like revolutionary from a gameplay perspective. Um, right. But I think it worked. I, I, I think uh, they front loaded it with the bank robbery and the plane thing. But I think that game really shined with just the open world stuff in general. And like the upgrades, I remember being weird as hell. You can make yourself invincible by the end of that game, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Can you tell us the and story? You also turned into a toilet, didn't you? Yeah, it's great. That was the part where my dad walked in while I was playing it. I was home for the holidays and I was running around as a toilet with an AK and he just like sighed and just went to the bathroom. He said, so proud of my son. Wait, went to the bathroom on <laughs> yeah, the screen? Smoked a cigarette and what's that? <laughs> went to the bathroom on the screen? He pooped on his own TV. Oh my God. It's very wow. confusing yeah. for the elderly. I understand it's all over the place. Elderly. Uh, <laughs> Kyle, I was going to send out to you about like the writing or the tone or the jokes in Saints Row 3 at this point. Well, I mean, the the start screen, one of the options you can play is Horde Mode. Right, right. Spelled W-H-O-R-E-D. And I was kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, this is, this is what we're in for. Okay, all right, all right. Um, but, like, you know, and there are those moments where it, it kind of, like, it, it, it's rough in that way where it's like, hey, I don't know, I don't think this would fly anymore. But I will say, in terms of characterization, I'm surprised, like, revisiting it, like, how enjoyable the characters are. Like I got to that sequence where you're singing sublime while you're driving mm, yeah. around the car and stuff. And like, I let it play all through. Like I didn't, I didn't, you know, I stopped in front of the mission to let them finish singing it. And like, there are moments like that where like the voice acting feels like very casual and well done that I'm, I'm impressed with even now, all these years later, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. God, I, go ahead. Dan. Remember when they sent out uh, the giant purple dildo bat? It's pretty cool. They sent it to like, yeah, it was a big floppy uh, dildo bat. They sent. Yeah, would they, you think they would do that in in 2020 for Saints Row Five or whatever? Uh, they remastered a few times. I haven't seen nary a dildo. How come that wasn't there when I was at the office? What what happened to it? I remember thinking it was weird because they actually didn't send one to us, and I remember seeing everyone from really? Destructoid and IGN or whatever with their their fun dildo pictures, and we're sitting there dildoless. <laughs> as we often are <laughs> do you remember Hanson we are the reason that the fart in a jar made it into that game you say we I get me <laughs> all right, tell the I story. was trying not to put it all on me I was yeah. trying to give us all credit for all the right, fart in a go. jar here we go the Dan show take it away Dan <laughs> I said we we were a team all right, what did we do uh, I asked a question we asked a question saying uh, <laughs> oh you guys are getting so wacky here what's something that was just like oh this is fun but it's too wacky even for Saints Row the Third and they're like oh we thought it'd be a grenade type where it was a fart in a jar and you would fart in a jar and throw it and be stinky and everyone would throw up and I remember like just sitting there and being like no you have to put that in please put that in that's a great idea and uh, I think Steve Jaros was that the creative director yeah he tweeted out afterwards. He was like, "Hey, hashtag partner jar." You know, thank you know Game Informer for uh, for that being in the game. 
That's nice. Uh, normally, I hate that kind of thing when when journalists are like, you know what your game needs, but I guess I'll let the fart in a jar slide. Because I remember they were explaining it like, it makes no sense. You can't see anything. Like, it, there's no visual impact here. You're, you can do stink lines. Well, yeah, but look, it's a grounded world of Saints Row. But anyways, it's That's fun true. to have that back and hopefully it rekindles something that can make something new. Because, I mean, I would love to visit that studio again and find out what is happening these days in there. You know, I know like Mike Kulas, the, the president left a while ago. I know Steve Jaros left. He's at Valve now. Um, so it's a weird studio. I want to know what they're cranking away on. Yeah, I think uh, ever since like Agents of Mayhem, right? They've mm-hmm. been uh, like, everyone's been like, what's going on over there? You know, because Agents of Mayhem was just a mess. Don't tell don't that to Kyle. That. We got the number one Agents of Mayhem defender over here with Kyle Hillary. Really? <laughs> Wow. Yeah, dude, that's like the best game they've ever made. <laughs> uh, guess what score no. he gave it, Dan, at GameInformer.com. Um, on the Game Informer scale, you gave Agents of Mayhem a uh, flat eight. I think that's correct. That's right. right? <laughs> Way yeah. to go. <laughs> that sounds right. I, okay. The ultimate like, agent like, of mayhem. The joke that you go for, Hanson, often whenever agents of mayhem weirdly comes up a lot, I feel like, <laughs> is that like I am like this this huge Defender fan, and right. it's like I think I liked it like 10% more than most, which was which would put me on the higher end of the scale. I think I think people were a little hard on that game because it wasn't Saints Row, but there's like yeah. some good action in there that people sort of didn't really embrace. So. Yeah. Hey, does Jeff Marquipava always podcast from the inside of a wedding dress? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> hey, it's fun to see you two together again. You still got Nailed it. Him. <laughs> yep. That's the charisma. I've been uh, missing it. Uh, yeah, see, there we go. Jeffum has uh, changed now, Dan. Like he's open to the idea of at least acknowledging that he lives near me. He hasn't like invited me to his house, despite you know the virus raging across the land. I've been begging to come to his house. He won't invite me over, but he's warmed up. He's no longer uh, too pissy about uh, interacting socially, which is lovely. He goes like out to a bar and stuff. No. It's not gonna if you before uh, before the dark times, did you ever like go to the Vegas lounge with them? No, no. I would never go back to that place again. That's <laughs> no, it's a terrible place. It's, it's the best bar in the country. It's you, very fun. Yeah, it's it's a Dan Reichert type of bar. It's in Minneapolis. Hang on by, uh, but uh, the best no. city in the country. What's that? The best city in the country. Yeah, Minneapolis. Why, why don't you come back, you maniac? I gotta work here. Oh, I see. Um, yeah. Hey, Dan, I wanted to ask you: Have you ever heard of Panel de Pon? Uh, oh, I'm so glad you said that. Um, no, I saw people getting really excited about that going to the uh, the Switch Online stuff or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And so I looked it up, and I realized, like, I didn't realize that was the name of that concept that had been like Pokemon Puzzle League, and uh, there was a DS Tetris game Attack. puzzle. Yeah, yeah, Tetris Attack on on Super Nintendo. That like that concept had been renamed so many times. Yeah, um, and so it got me really interested. So uh, I found my copies of Tetris Attack and the Japanese Panel de Pon and started playing it with Bonk. And uh, it's super duper fun. It is incredibly fast paced. And I just played it on uh, Switch. It just came out today as of this recording. Yeah, real fun game. Awesome. I got to check it out. Also, like Wild Guns is on the Super Nintendo mm-hmm. uh, Retro Online thing. I've never played that, but it looks a little Sunset Riders-y. Should I be into that thing? It's. I thought of you when uh, they did a Wild Guns Reloaded. It was like a Steam remake of that. Oh, it wasn't even a remake. It was just like a 16 by 9 version of it. And I thought of you when I was checking it out. It's very uh, kind of Sunset Riders, Shooting Gallery, Old West. Huh, cool. Well, hey, we should probably get to the show here because um, we got a lot to get through. Uh, we're going through the decades. Actually, just one decade. Uh, one decade. The, the, the naughty aughts, as Serial insisted that I call them. So, oh, come on. Here's what's tough. Uh, we're going to go through, pick our personal favorites, our games of the year 
for these years, probably have a couple of runners-up as we go. And then at the end of this, we should probably figure out what the game of the decade is. And the nice thing, Dan, is like, you know, maybe a Giant Bomb or, or Game Informer, you'd feel a little stressed out. I'd be like, oh, we can't have like a Game Informer official game of the decade, but it's MinMax. We can do whatever we want. So yeah, we will have a game of the decade from 2000 through 2009 officially by the end of this discussion. Why would that be stressful? Because it's like there's a, it's a bigger name than yourself, you know? It's like a lot of history that you're attaching to this thing. It's a fucking outlet saying this is a good game. What's the big deal? <laughs> Look, I feel that way, but you know that not everybody <laughs> in the world would feel that exact way. Uh, Nothing matters. All right, uh, Jeffum, you're a stickler for criteria. Uh, what's your criteria for trying to weigh the best game of each year? Uh, no, dude. I I just looked through Wikipedia and picked my favorite. Great. That was pretty much. So this isn't like Which, you know, whichever ones I remembered playing. Sometime vaguely around that year. What like, a stickler! Oh, yeah. Quit a stickler, Jeff. What is this attitude? You're supposed to be the what rules. The worst guy. yes ending I've ever heard. Also, <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, Hanson, yeah. I love you giving me shit for being like sub to my uh, Twitch. You, you're literally sitting in front of a television saying, "Give me a hundred dollars." A flashing billboard saying, "Give me a hundred dollars." For the audio listeners, well, it's different, Dan, because we we, get, we all got a little percentage of it, so it's you know. Okay, I'm not getting any of it. Yeah, it's okay, he's sharing. One person. Thank you. He's Thank sharing. You. Okay. Oh boy, the point is, we're going to choose our favorite game from each year, and it's not a matter of like the legacy of the game or the influence. We're choosing our personal favorites as if we were creating our top ten lists for each of these years, stuff like that. So, starting with the year 2000. Um, Actually, just in general, before we get to that, what do you guys think about going through this decade? Did you have an epiphany looking through all the games that were released about just what a yeah. pile of crap or what an amazing decade? Any broad strokes here? No, going through it, uh, like just the whole Wikipedia list of every year, it really kind of spells out something I think we always knew, but it was more obvious, uh, it, which is right around like a year after a new console launches is when you start yes. seeing all, you know, a ton of really good stuff like 01, you know, a year after the PS2 came out. Like you get the launch games and everything, but some of them aren't quite there. Like, you know, the first time Splitters wasn't really there, but then like a year later, it's like GTA 3, Final Fantasy 10, Metal Gear right. Solid 2. Um, and I think I saw that in like both generations that this decade kind of spans. You know, you saw that like a year after like 360 and PS3, like a bunch of just awesome, awesome games clustered in like 06, 07. But then there's like big lulls around like, oh, well, 04 was great, but you know what I mean? Like 03, 05, little lighter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was shocked too. I mean, it's that classic thing, but we're so used to games taking so long to develop now. It's amazing looking at these like, wait, these games were released back to back? It's just like, bam, GTA 3, bam, Vice City. I mean, it is insane how these juggernauts, even like, you know, the Tony Hawks, it's just dug a dug a dug a dug They just keep mm -hmm. rolling out and it's absurd to see. Yeah, I have distinct memories of that 01 holiday season because I was working at Funkoland at the time. And also, obviously, 9-11 happened then. And so that was when, like, all these games were getting delayed. You know, GTA 3 was getting delayed. Metal Gear Solid 2 was getting delayed. Things like that. So, like, that particular holiday season, I definitely remember. Yeah, uh, I I am a little bit ashamed. Like, towards the back half of this decade, I realized, like, oh, boy, this is, like, my low point in gaming other than being a dumb kid and just playing Game Gear and Apple II stuff. But, like, I realized, like, I was in college and I didn't, buy a console or get into the current gen until like 2009 and so i feel like i got some weird gaps in here that you know i've gone back and filled in a decent amount but at least going through this at the time it's like holy crap i missed all this stuff when it was fresh which is crazy in retrospect yeah, yeah, I, feel like I, I, I had some of that too where 
I and I can't even really pin down when I actually got my PS3, but I but I got it. Mine was a slim, so it had been out for a year or two. Yeah, but so some of my years are a little iffy, where it's just like I played that game eventually. I don't know, you know, this is the year it came out, so I'm putting it down there. Right, there's gonna be a lot of that on that list. So technically, you gotta dial back the clock, all that stuff. Okay, year 2000. Let's see who wants to start. Dan, you're our guest. What is uh, your favorite game from the year 2000? Number one, no hesitation. Number one is Command and Conquer Red Alert 2. Ooh. Wow. Okay. Very relevant. I, I actually had, I thought I was I was confident that I thought I knew what yours would be, which is I not. mean, there's several other really good ones. What's yours? Yeah. Uh, Majora's Mask. Ooh. That was actually not even one of the ones I was thinking of, but that would be that's one of my favorite games ever. Do I even know you, Dan? Wait, dude. <laughs> Perfect Dark, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. Yes. No Mercy. Uh, it was a good year. It's that, a, totally absolutely. Unbelievable year. Uh, Kyle, Majora's Mask, uh, was it close yeah. to anything else for 2000? Um, not really. Um, it's funny because two two of the games I streamed recently came out that year. Code Veronica, which I'm playing right now, and Metal Gear Ghost Babel both came out that oh. year, which is funny. Um, hey, and then, how is uh, Code Veronica, by the way? You're going through it now? Oh, I, I like it. I like it more than I thought I would, actually. Um, it, it feels more like a Resident Evil 3 than Resident Evil 3 does. If that's Like, there's more lore res, larger les, resident evil lore going on in that game than i expected oh not just like a more action focus no i mean it's a classic resident evil game with a lot of history about the family that made umbrella which huh. is like, oh, it, it feels more relevant to the timeline than three does is what you're saying yeah like honestly i think it should have been three and resident evil three should have had the sort of subtitle it seems it feels Called nemesis like, veronica know. instead mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah uh what uh is it tougher than you thought it would be um well it is hard, but I also, when I said I was going to stream it, people like beating down Brian, big, you know, we all love beating down Brian. He's, he sent me a bunch of DMs. He's like, hey, heads up. This is one of the harder ones. Oh, wow. Here's uh, some things you should know going into it. Make sure you hang on to the fire extinguisher through the whole game and stuff like yeah. that. So I've had a lot of help, <laughs> which has been nice, but it is, it is hard. It is a tough game. Yeah. Uh, Surreal? What stands out? What stands out for you? Two thousand. Uh, it was a really tough competition for me personally for uh, between The Legend of Zelda: Majora's Mask and Pokemon Silver. Oh, two, wait two, a minute! Three. Is that two thousand? Yeah, it came out in ninety nine in Japan, I believe. Okay. The, oh my god! Things. God, uh, that's tough. Okay. I, you, you're actually making me doubt myself. But no, I, I think uh, you're right. I, I, I went with Majora's Mask because I think that game has held up maybe a little bit better, whereas I think. Uh, silver as much as big of an upgrade it was from the original games uh i I think like subsequent pokemon games have basically iterated on that formula so much that it doesn't like i wouldn't tell people to go back to pokemon uh gold and silver whereas i think majora's mask still holds up today Mm -hmm. yeah god this is that 3ds remake uh that's the way to play that game yeah like i I, majora's mask was like always like i like that game it's okay but when i played the 3ds remake it like in my personal ranking it bumped it way up i was like oh this is so much better than i remember which is like a rare thing to experience when you revisit a game did they rework some stuff did they make it more convenient to play they made like one or two little changes that made it more convenient but no big sweeping change um the 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 bomber's notebook is a lot better it's easier to jump to specific parts in the timeline uh that's way better you can also save any time whereas if you saved in the original you restarted the cycle yeah so you know this song of time and stuff like that yeah right and super smart that since it's a portable game it's like well okay my bus ride's over i need to stop playing i can't you know restart the whole cycle again so yeah much better. And, and the item stuff on the bottom screen, it's, it's yeah. way better. And yeah. they moved the bank right next to the, the fast travel point. Like little things like that, you know. Jeffem, take us back to the year 2000. You're 
hairs down to your butt crack? What's going on? <laughs> uh, you know, it was, it was, it, I, not quite then, but a couple of years since then, it would have been down to my shoulders at least. Oh, okay. Nice. And your butt crack is up to your shoulders, correct? Yes. Okay, great. Yeah, if I scrunch. Uh, no, mine mine was Majora's Mask 2. Really? Um, oh, yeah, wow. my runners-up were Perfect Dark and Tony Hawk 2, as Dan said. And then my third one would have been uh, Hitman Codename 47. Oh, oh which, the first Hitman. And which was kind of a mess as a game, but it was the first one where it was like, oh my god, I can put on these disguises and I can sneak into this place and I'll put, I'll, you know throw a gun through the window first and then I can kind of sneak my way into this meeting and pick it up later and all of that kind of the mission design and figuring out how you wanted to do it just blew my mind. Which, Jeff, correct me if I'm wrong, but weren't you not hot on the latest Hitman games? Yeah. Those are like some of the best games of this decade. I I still I still really like them. I didn't I didn't go as crazy as some people just because the the worlds ended up getting so large that I didn't want to replay them, you know, a hundred times, which the, you know, like the format that they went with was kind of geared towards that, where it was like, especially when it was episodic at first, yeah. it was like, okay, here's a new map, play it for the next six months. And it's like, oh, Jesus, no, I just want to go to the next level. But they did fill it with so much different stuff. Dude. I, we did. could go on a whole thing about that mm-hmm. game, but uh, yeah. Surprising to hear you uh, like uh, the first Hitman that much if you're into that type of game. Yeah, no, that's that's why they made me review him at GI because I was the Hitman guy. Well, hang on. So Agent 47, is that the first one? That was the first one, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was really tough. And, you know, it shows the frailty of all lists at a certain point when I think I made like my top 10 list of all time not too long ago. We talked about on the Game Informer show. And so if you compare that list to these lists, it's all out of whack. But I'm like, okay, trying to think. For that year, what was the game that I was most excited about, was my favorite, that I was the most passionate about in that year? And I think it's The Sims. I think The Sims 1 would be my favorite game. And then Runners Up would be Perfect Dark and the first SSX. Yes. Uh, I've got SSX on my like Runners Up list. That uh, that was a killer game. Yeah, Paper I mean, Mario is that year too, right? Uh, so Paper Mario was 2001 in the States. Okay. okay. Yeah. Cool, cool. But right. uh, it's a good uh, transition here. By the way, 2000. Heads off to 2000. We also have Diablo 2, Deus Ex, uh, Final Fantasy 9, Summoner, don't forget it, a Giant Citizen Kabuto. I hear you fans out there. We're honoring you. Uh, Shenmue, Incredible Crisis, Tekken Tag Tournament. What a, what a blast. Mega, uh, Mega Wait, did you say Shenmue? Wait, was two. Shenmue? Shenmue. Shen- oh, well, let me revise mine. <laughs> Is that your number mm. one? It's my number 100 on my top games of all time. Oh, interesting. Yes. No, uh, it would not be my number one for the year. <laughs> and then, and then, like Dan mentioned, Time Splitters 1 was also 2000, which it was a game I loved so much, but, I mean, it just is dwarfed by Time Splitters 2 coming up soon. And then Pokemon Stadium, Pokemon Silver. Okay, 2001. Raise your hand if you're super into relaying your pick for 2001. Let the wait, record show. Wait, say that again? I'm sorry. For what? <laughs> Who wants to talk first? Oh, okay. I'll I'll talk first. Kyle Hilliard, yes. This this one was easy for me actually. It's a very good year. These are all very good years, but it's it's Metal Gear Solid two for me. Yeah, like yeah. with a bullet. Like that's yeah. that's like honestly like top five all time. Yeah. for me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, that yeah. was mine. Metal yeah. Gear Solid two. Yeah. I uh, yeah. God, I had that for so long, and then this morning I double checked my list, and I was like, going off of passion, love Metal Gear Solid two, love love love, but I can't. Put it above Melee. I think Melee has to wow. take it for Game of the Year 2001. For how much I played that in college and how much 
excitement was generated from that game and how much I thought about it. I think Melee over Metal Gear Solid 2. Uh, but ask You're me tomorrow, maniac. it'll change. Maybe. Serial, you with me? Yeah, I also chose Melee as my game of the year that year. Uh, and because there were a lot of really good candidates. Uh, that was like the first Advanced Wars, Final Fantasy X for me, Ico, uh, Silent Hill 2. Uh, so yeah, I had a lot of runner-ups, Ico and Silent Hill for sure. Yeah, but I think I think Melee had to take it because I played a ton of that game. And who was your main? Uh, it was I switched between like Luigi, uh, Link, and a couple of others. Luigi? But the, yeah. What so are you like up to over there? He's got the he. You've got to get close with the, his uppercut, and it lights you on fire. All right, that's cool. Needn't say he, more. He's like Ken, you know. He's like the Ken of Mario. <laughs> more of a Kent. Uh, <laughs> Jeffum, what'd you pick? What does that even mean? Uh, that was like not a, a joke. It was like, uh, no, Dan, so, trust me, that was a great joke because it's like can versus can't. Uh, that's a stretch. Uh, okay. All right. Well, we'll, yeah. we'll let the comments I, decide, I Dan. I cut it out. Uh, Dan, you're going to have to press up B to recover from this joke. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Don't worry, Dan. We've got comedy on lockdown <laughs> here. <laughs> it's what we're known for. Uh, we got guys on the mic who like to eat sand. We got it all. Hell, yeah. That's a party. <laughs> uh, so I didn't have a PS2. Or was it? Or were we talking PS1? I didn't have either of them. This so the I didn't play any of that out. Metal Gear Solid crap. Okay. Yeah, one of the best uh, games ever I made. Did, you didn't play that crap. I did, yeah. yeah. I did go to Xbox at this point. I, sh- I shifted from 64 to Xbox, and so mine kind of by default, I guess, was Halo at that point, which did legitimately, you know, blow my mind as a kid. Why do you Because that was the first... Because I didn't play too many, you know, first-person shooters, and that was the first one that actually felt good on a console. Yeah. What do you say by default? It seems like there's some negativity in your reflection on Halo. Uh, no, more just negativity for the year, I guess. I didn't have what? my, my runners up were Silent Hill 2, which I, which was an amazing game. And then kind of Paper Mario and Max Payne, because I was still playing a little PC stuff, but none of, none of those games, you know, really stood out as a killer, you know, number one with a bullet like we have with some of the other years. I think 2001 might be the toughest call out of the entire decade for me 2001 is a banger for i mean third place is it's a hansen year it's very much a hansen year yeah but i I think it could be considered one of the best if not the best video game year of all time i think it's between 2001 and 2007 uh let's 98 in the conversation no four yeah Mm, oh interesting okay we can wait in uh later but uh frequency is uh my third place finisher uh i still think that game is a miracle and it's crazy to think about like trying to weigh frequency against GTA 3, Final Fantasy 10, like Serial said, uh, Halo, Conkers, DMC, Animal Crossing, Gran Turismo 3, I love that year too, mm-hmm. Shenmue 2, Eco, Civ 3, Red Faction, Advance Wars, Jack and Daxter, Twisted Metal Black, Pip Mario, The Bouncers, None of the Enders, Golden Sun, Pikmin, like, it's insane. The bouncer. <laughs> I saw Kyle's face when he said The Bouncer. That was the right face. I was I, mean, I, was I played and beat it. I'm not going to pretend I did. Oh, you had two free hours? <laughs> 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 I think actually yeah, where I should though, refunds right? recently. So so again when I crapped on this year um uh, uh, noting again that I did not have a PS2 and right, so there were right. there were some of those will filter through into later years when they actually got to Xbox like yeah. you know GTA 3. But uh, Jeff didn't you say that uh, you love Tony Hawk 2? Yes. What about 3? 3 uh, I kind of see as like maybe the apex of the series. Uh I have that one down for 2002. 
Oh, weird. I got it on 01. I, I, maybe because that's when it came to Xbox. I'm not. Oh, maybe that's mm, it. Yeah. I'm not sure. You could have played it got on it. the original PlayStation. Yeah, I, I didn't realize that even four was on the original PlayStation. Dan, did you remember yeah. that? That's crazy. Yeah, right? it was four. No, three was on N64. I think. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Uh, Xbox got the one that was like the two X, which was uh, I think one and two. It was kind of like a weird remix thing. Mm. Yeah, uh, 2002. Well, hold on, real quick. Yeah, I think in your list the one did you say Onimusha? That was another big one. Oh for no, me. I didn't. You're right. And then another one, another quick one, a golden sun. I loved a lot. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's in there. Yeah, for oh, sure. Just the oh. idea of like, God, was his name Ivan? Like the psychic character who could read minds. So you could talk to everybody in that world twice. Like you could talk to them and then see what they're thinking, which is such a cool idea that I've never seen in another RPG. But I love that thing. Yeah. Also, uh, Mario Party 3, SSX Tricky, and Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance. Baldur's Gate, really? Well, that was a only, it's the only one I've played because it was on PS2 and it had that co-op and like I never played Diablo. And so me and my sister played it and it was just kind of that top down dungeon crawler. And I, that's the first game like that I'd ever played. So I have very fond memories of that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. God, it's crazy. None of us chose GTA 3. I mean, maybe, it's, it's on my list. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's up, up there, there for me. But I think about like, oh, I don't think I ever even owned it. I just played it a lot at uh, Ronnie's place. Uh, but Is I was eater. That's right. Uh, but I was obsessed with it. And it's so weird that it's like, well, it's crazy to have a game that's that influential not even being in consideration for top three for 2001. I mean, probably the most influential game of this whole decade, I would say. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, okay, 2002. Serial, 2002. What do you choose? Uh, this is the, like this had a bunch of GBA ports on here because I, I made a top 10 list for all for every year. Uh, and this one had like Link to the Past, Super Mario World, and Yoshi's Island all on there. Yeah. But uh, I think Metroid Prime is probably mm. my my pick for the favorite one there because it's funny because like Metroid Prime is my number one, then Link to the Past is number two, just because it's like it's a weird criteria where it's like technically I think Link to the Past might be a better game, but this is the GBA port, so I don't like. It's weird, but then also Metroid Fusion, which is right under those. Two. Yeah, and so that, Metroid Prime and Fusion came out on the same day, which is crazy. That's insane. Those are like two of the absolute best Metroid games. Yeah, yeah, it's wild. Uh, Jeff, I'm 2002. Uh, so this was a big year. This was kind of following what everyone else got in 2001 for the PS2. But my the biggest for me was Elder Scrolls Three Morrowind, which was my first kind of massive open world RPG, you know, that like completely really changed in my interest in a games in a lot of ways. Yeah. And you play it on Xbox. Yeah. Yeah. Shifting, which it, it totally sucked on Xbox. The frame rate was terrible, (laughs) but, but I still played the crap out of it. Yeah. Um, I remember my friends getting obsessed with Morrow. And I remember like one of my friends just being like, yeah, it's my new religion. Like it's my everything. (laughs) And it's it's a game where you can do absolutely anything. And I just remember seeing it running (laughs) on Xbox and being like, ah, this looks nothing like final fantasy. I'm not interested. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was it was definitely rough. Um, but then GTA Three, which I think that's when it came to Xbox. Okay. Uh, Hitman Two, Silent Assassin, which is the one when they finally figured out it should just be a stealth game, and they cut out the action levels, which were terrible. Uh, and then Time Splitters Two, Splinter Cell, and Tony Hawk Three. Oh God, yeah. God, do you remember seeing Splinter Cell for the first time? How mind blowing that was. The cloth <laughs> physics and like the uh, they showed a big fan with like light beams going through it yeah. and it just seemed like it was voodoo. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Uh, yeah, for me, uh, God, maybe this was a weirdly down year for me 
overall, but number three is Battlefield 1942, number two, Time Splitters 2, and then number one is Age Mythology, uh, one of my favorite games of all time. I think I think my favorite RTS. Uh, Dan, if you ever want to learn Age of Mythology, I'd love to play, uh, I'd love to stream it with you at some point. I would totally do that. Okay, that'd be fun. Uh, all right, Dan, for number one, what do you got? Super Mario Sunshine. Wow, no hesitation. Nope. Well, I mean, I looked at it. I got a lot of runners up here. Should I do the runners up here? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Mario Sunshine number one. Uh, Animal Crossing, the first one. Wait, uh, I Vice that was City. 2001, or was that just in Japan for 2001? I was trying to get the Japan dates correct here. Uh, was it? Uh, was I it? Don't might know. have been 2001 in Japan. Oh, okay. I think it. I, I have it down for O2. Um, but they're also uh, they were doing weird games like uh, Guitar Man and Mr. Mosquito. Uh, those I just loved. Um, and then Mortal Kombat Deadly Alliance. That uh, I like that one. After not liking Mortal Kombat Four, really, I thought they uh, yeah. started getting in, on the right course with the uh, 3D Mortal Kombat. That, that that's at the bottom of of my list. Is Deadly Alliance? It was. It's like my number ten. Yeah. The blood stayed on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> it's the next generation. Uh, and that's one where everybody had like different stances and stuff, right? I was never super hot on that. And oh, like really? they've done it in like recent Mortal Kombat's too. I just think it complicates things. You know, it's just like, no, I just want to know the four moves that the guy does. I don't want to have to worry about whether I'm, you know, on a pogo stick when I do it. Yeah. I remember somebody had like a crab walk. Was it Reptile? And it's one of that's those Voldo you're thinking of. It could be. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember being quite smitten with it. <laughs> Weird way to say that. By that crab walk. I don't know how you phrase things. All right, Kyle, what do you got for your picks? Um, so I think this is Vice City year, right? Which I loved a yeah. lot. Uh, I liked Tony Hawk Four. Might be my favorite because it kind of eliminated the two minute rounds and let you kind of just go around the map as much as you wanted, but still had the classic stuff. Like you could do the yes. two minute stuff, which was I thought a really good mix of that. Yeah, like I liked that you could skate as much as you wanted, but when you were ready to do the two minutes, you just walked up to somebody and like yep. activated a mission. Um, yep. And but then. And then uh, Sunshine, obviously, and, and Time Splitters 2, but I, looking at the list, this might be a weird one, but my favorite game that year is Sly Cooper and the Thievius. Oh, Cooper. weird. I adore that game. I like it more yeah. than Sunshine. Like, I just, I, it, like, and even today, it's the one that's the most fun to go back to because it's the most streamlined. I never played the Sly Cooper games when they came out because I thought I was like a cool teenager and those were games for kids. Um, but then uh, when they did the uh, well, trilogy. Did play on the ground in those. No, it did not at all. It disappeared. Um, they put out the trilogy on uh, PS3, probably like in the 2010s sometime. I never played any of them, so zero nostalgia. Went through platinum to all of them. Like, just fucking loved it. Those games hold yeah. up great. Yeah. Uh, Dan, you recently... looks great today. Yeah, love those mm -hmm. games. Yeah, you recently went back to, like, Sunshine, Dan, for the Giant Bomb stream. I mean, it was a couple years ago, but when uh, it seems like rumors are going to come true and when that game's re-released on Switch later this year, what do you think is going to be people's experience with it? Uh, you know, it's what I've always said about that game. I thought it got a bad rap. I mean, there is some weirdness to it that maybe isn't in other 3D Mario games. Uh, you know, like I, it's the first time I saw a glitch in a Mario game. Uh, it was during the Giant Bomb thing. I just fell through a block and it's like, that's not supposed to happen in mainline Mario games. Yeah. Um, and like the, the blue coin thing is kind of a fetch quest, uh, bullshit thing. But like, ultimately I think having that jetpack is so much fun and I love those worlds. I love the music. I think it is right up there with all of the 3d Mario games. So I think people will maybe have more of an appreciation for it. Yeah. I remember people being pretty bummed out on the giant bomb stream though. Just like, Oh God, we're still going with this thing. Not, not I was the having a blast. Not the community, but like the other people on that panel, it seemed like we're like, oh god, this fucking game. I mean, that was the case with the Mario parties too. It was like me having a blast and everyone else <laughs> hating it, you know? 
This is how it went. And now again, completely alleviated. Just play Mario Party single player. <laughs> having a great time. Just yeah, just having a party here in Connecticut by myself. <laughs> uh, let's see. Also, uh, 2002, uh, tip of the cap to Legacy of Goku and Game Boy Advance. I love that game way too much. Uh, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit, which I remember uh, adoring. Resident Evil Remake was 2002. Dan, I know you played that what, not too long ago, right? It holds up really well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, first Ratchet and Clank, first Mafia, which is now out again. Very wild. Um, like uh, August, I think. Oh, is that right? Just two and three are out now? For the first one, yeah. Oh, they're re-releasing those? Yeah. They're yeah. remaking the first one, yeah. Weird. Okay. It's very weird. Uh, also, 2002 is Warcraft 3, which obviously mm. is hugely influential. Um, Do we miss anything? Uh, Sonic Adventure 2 Battle, which I really like, but yeah. I'm, I went back to for about three hours and realized that that game does not hold up, but what, I played a ton of it when it came out. What is the <laughs> battle thing? Is that like a... It's got a dumb multiplayer mode. It's not really worth talking about. So it's just like a reissue <laughs> of Sonic Adventure 2, but they just tack on the multiplayer thing? Yeah, but that's when I, I played it on the GameCube, so I, I didn't play like the Dreamcast version, which came out the previous year. Gotcha. Uh, I, I know Warcraft 3 is very influential, but it definitely marked like me getting out of RTS because it started doing more of that hero stuff, which I hated. And then I think that kind of like indirectly led to like all the MOBA crap you see everywhere now. Um, so, <laughs> it's pretty direct from since Dota was a mod for Warcraft 3. Yeah, and MOBA's garbage, so uh, I kind of right, blame right. Uh, nice Warcraft 3 for that. nice to have your opinion back in, in the world of games, Dan. Uh, <laughs> I mean, definitely going back to Warcraft 3, the thing that stands out is like the upkeep thing was so frustrating where they would tax you for having more units. And like everything would be worth less. And I know it's controversial, but it was just so frustrating at the time. I was like, I can't get into this. And others play Warcraft 2. I'm going to be playing Warcraft 2 in the year 2020. I got it. Anyways, 2003. Um, Jeffem, 2003, what's your favorite? Um, This was kind of a crap year for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, my runners up were Prince of Persia, Sands of Time. Mm hmm. Uh, they came out with a GTA double pack for <laughs> Xbox, which was the first time that I could play Vice City. Oh, I think, yeah. Okay. Right? Yeah. So that, that was the year that came. And then my favorite was Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. Uh, yeah, I'm right there with you. A lot of good competition in 2003, but yeah, Knights of the Old Republic. I remember playing that and being like, well, this is now my third favorite game of all time behind Final Fantasy VII and Metal Gear Solid. Like, it was locked in. And I feel like I need to revisit it just to see where it is. Because I, in my top 10 now, it's not even included, but I remember being so passionate about it right as mm -hmm. credits were rolling. But, uh, Serial, what do you got, 2003? Uh, it was a, a toss-up between Legend of Zelda Wind Waker and Silent Hill 3, with Soul Calibur 2 pretty close behind them. Which I, version? Uh, the GameCube version, Scott Lincoln. Okay. It does. Uh, <laughs> I'll allow it. Uh, it's also the one that I played. Like I, uh, I'm not gonna like say I played all of them, but you know. I mean, you were in super jazz for Hey Hachi in the PS2 version. Yeah. No. Uh, I mean, it spawns in Mortal Kombat now, so it's like that Xbox yeah. version is completely irrelevant at this point. <laughs> I went with the Xbox One because it was the closest to the Dreamcast controller. So like I oh, didn't I really care about Spawn at all, and obviously I like Link more, but the controller was more important to me. What? Uh, sure. What? What makes it closer? I'm trying to do the math here. Well, just think about it. Well, the GameCube controller oh, is just some weird bad. alien technology. Cut in here. <laughs> what is? What's bad? Dreamcast controller and the original Xbox. I controller. like the Dreamcast Ooh. controller, man. I think it feels cool. It, I, mm, it's not a great controller, but it was great for Soul Calibur. And in terms of just like the placement of the analog sticks and everything versus the D-pad, it, it kind of matched the uh, controller S, you know. Oh, for Xbox. Oh, I figured you're going like Duke for more like a rounded. No, I don't like the Duke at all. No. Oh, okay, I'll be damned. Uh, 
Did we get all your cereal? Uh, yeah, I mean, Wind Waker was my number one, and then, like, there are some other really great games, like, uh, Advance Wars 2, Beautiful Joe, Ikaruga, uh, F-Zero GX, uh, Final Fantasy X-2, and then WarioWare. I know you love X, were you into X-2? I never finished it, but I liked what I played. I think I got, I, at some point I got stuck in a puzzle where it's like, you have to get all these keys to open up this big gate, and I couldn't find one of them, so I just stopped playing. But up until then, I was really into it. So it's not, it's, it's like my number eight. So it's like, I think I would like it more if I would finished it. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then F-Zero GX, maybe the hardest, one no. of the hardest games I've ever played that I just, I ended up not being able to finish the campaign on my own and just playing a ton of like the, like, sing, basically playing the multiplayer single player of like, I'm going to run through every race. I'm going to run through every race at the max distance. I'm going to turn the AI up to hard. But even then, it's like a lot of the challenges in that single player mode are ridiculously hard. Yeah. Yeah. Brutal. Uh, so for me, it was Kotor number one and then SSX three mm-hmm. and Amplitude behind that. Uh, the follow-up to Frequency, but yeah, SSX3. I remember getting that on GameCube. I remember it being a toss-up, and I chose GameCube, and it was a huge mistake, because trying to do the tricks on that tiny D-pad, I remember my thumb just being, like, oh. raw at the end of a play session, but it was worth it. Like, that game, I need to go back to that thing. Like, what a tone. And I remember, like, that huge race from the top of the mountain all the mm-hmm. way down to the bottom. It was just, like, 30 minutes. Was, oh, this is heaven. It's uh, backwards compatible on Xbox One. Oh, it's like really? 10 bucks. Yeah, I've okay. got it. All right, I got to check that out for sure. Uh, Dan, 2003? Yeah, a lot of the ones I already mentioned. SSX, Beautiful Joe, Prince of Persia, KOTOR. Um, my number one, WarioWare. Uh, oh, WarioWare God, that's 2003? What? It. I didn't realize that's that still yours? No, I didn't realize yeah, yeah. that year. It's got to go in there somewhere, yeah. It's, I, I know it's such a silly, like, novelty game, but, like, again, it was one of those things where I was working at Funko Land, and I was like, what is this? What is WarioWare? And I, I popped it in, and I've never fallen in love with everything about a game more instantly <laughs> than I did with WarioWare. I was like, wait, what? Wait, what, what? What's this? What's going on? And, like, I just kept, like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And then the more stuff you unlock, like, there's a full Dr. Mario game in there. There's all these, like, little mini games that were fun to go for high scores on, on their own rights, but then the weird boss fights and the the... This is before, like... A lot of like eight bit like retro, you know, tons of like flash games and stuff, like harkening back to pixel graphics and stuff. So the nine volt stuff I thought was so novel and cool it's crazy. back then. Yeah, having all yeah. the NES stuff in there. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. Yeah. Uh I feel like I love uh Warrior War Gold on three DS. Everybody was too focused on the Switch, so I didn't really get that much love. But mm-hmm. it's so simple. But like if they just re released gold on the Switch, like I I'm waiting for that moment where everybody with a switch remembers how fun WarioWare is. And it's just, they could go bare minimum. And I feel like it would be the talk of the town for at least a week. Right. Yeah. Uh, Other quick runners up that I had a wind waker, uh, Aria of sorrow was great. Castlevania final fantasy tactics advance. Soul Calibur two, tiger woods, PGA tour, 2004. It's really good. Wow. Uh, And then, then Double Dash and Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga. Oh, nice. Oh, one from 2003 that I love to uh, Topspin. Topspin on the Xbox. Uh, I had such a good time with that game. Getting like four players a, together. I was a virtual tennis man. Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> also great. Also great. Uh, yeah. The reason I love Topspin, I think, is because the virtual tennis got me into video game tennis. But mm-hmm. uh, Kyle, 2003? Um, yeah, I think you guys hit all the big one uh, Win- wind waker is actually like probably my number two um I, like i don't really? love wind waker whoa uh, whoa whoa really challenging. yeah i mean i like wind waker a lot but it's kind of lower on my personal list it's the sailing is kind of bland um he said it's wind too waker. cartoony 
too cartoony. Yeah. Uh, blood doesn't he, stay on the he, ground. It's like, what are we even doing? He likes it when blades bleed. Yeah, yeah blades yeah. don't bleed. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was weird. I read your Zelda book, Kyle, that you published, and oh, yeah. the Wind Waker chapter just said pass, which I didn't know you could do <laughs> in a published book. But Don't worry about it. It's fine, yeah. is what I wrote. <laughs> Wait, that's really interesting. I never knew this. So the sailing didn't do it for you. No, not really. I would I would set it and like literally leave the room and go make a sandwich and come back and be at the island. I was like, all right, there we go. And I don't like stopping the boat to change the direction of the wind. Yeah. I don't like that sort of pause yeah. in sort of uh, progression. But but I mean, I I genuinely love the way it looks and I really like the story. The end of that game mm-hmm. is amazing. And um, the like the the oh, the other thing is there's not as many dungeons as there are in other Zelda games. Right. There's only that's like that's the sticking point for me. Did yeah. you play HD? Uh, yes, I, I played like sixty percent of it. I didn't finish it. Well, it definitely fixes a lot of the back end of that game with the like treasure map stuff yeah. and everything. It's, and it's a much better way. Helps a lot too. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, I mean, still, still a lot of love for it. But my my favorite game that year, another one that, that was actually kind of easy when I looked at the full. Well, you know what? I take that back. It wasn't that easy. It was a toss up between Jack Two, which I really love, and then uh, Prince of Persia: Sands of Time came out on mm-hmm. top. I adore Sands of Time. Yeah, played that game on every platform multiple times. Like, just absolutely love that game. Do you think it'd be fun at all to go back to the original Prince of Persia? The original original? Yeah, I'm tempted it's, to play that. I did that. It's, it's really like, hard. Yeah, it's it's like hard to control, you know? Is there like some novelty? You think I'd have a good time if I just was slowly working my way through it? I, I don't know. It's a good question. I want to see. It. I didn't play it until they put it on like XBLA, I want to say, like somewhere mm. in this decade. Uh, and there was kind of a fun novelty to it. I remember enjoying it. Yeah. Huh. I didn't know that that game didn't really do that well with the original release. Like I watched... Um, uh, who like, is like uh, commercially? Yeah, because I guess oh. they came out really late in the Apple II life cycle, um, and oh. then it wasn't until they made the ports where they just ported it to absolutely everything that the game really caught fire in a big way. But I guess I by the time it released, it's like, well, it took too long to make, and people aren't really focusing on the Apple II anymore. But I guess here's this weird thing. But uh, uh, also, Max Payne Two was that year, which is really great, and Tony Hawk's Underground uh, was really good hmm. as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. two thousand four. Here we are. What a weird one. Jeffum, 2004, what do you got? Uh, a bunch more Xbox stuff, believe it or not. Great. It's a, it's uh, a good year for Xbox. To yeah, be it is. It, it was, yeah. Yeah, so runners-up were Ninja Gaiden, uh, mm-hmm. Fable, Star Wars Battlefront. Yeah. Uh, Burnout 3, mm-hmm. which was... I, you know, I, I played a couple of the other, uh, you know, like Project Gotham Racing and stuff like that. But when they when I finally got one where it was like, oh, the point is to blow up your car and like crash it as best as you can, like that was a game changer. Yeah, three is the uh, most effective demo I've ever seen. It was at a kiosk, yeah. like EA did a thing on our campus where it's like, here's our new games coming out, and I just played like a demo of Burnout and instantly was like, oh, I had no idea this series was this fun, and I bought it like immediately. Yeah, and it was fun before that. Like, I played a lot of Burnout 2 on GameCube. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then Burnout 3 was like, oh, okay, here's what this series should have been the whole time. Now they've got yeah. it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but my number one was Halo 2, which I'm sure Kyle will also... Again, uh, yeah, no, it's my number out. one as well. I played so much Halo 2 that year. Just with the college dorm situation, like, just Halo 2 was just... We never turned off the Xbox. It was just always on. Yeah, I, I never even owned Halo 2, and it's my number nine because I played it at so many other people's houses. And it was all just, like, <laughs> playing it multiplayer until, like, one in the morning. Yeah. God, yeah, I was... Totally. We were so into Halo 1, and we were kind of crazy boys and so uh when like there was that crazy french leak do you remember this where like a french version of halo 2 leaked like 
a month or even earlier than that before the game released. And so we all had modded Xboxes and we all played this French version of Halo 2. And that was like peak fun. It's like, oh, it's not even out. And I remember at some point in then- French. Yeah, now we're learning <laughs> French. We know uh, everything in French. But then uh, I remember going to Bungie for the first time for the Destiny cover story trip. And I didn't say like, hey, I, I pirated your, your game, which I regret now. But uh, no, I regret pirating is what I mean. The point is talking to Bungie, I brought up that leak. Like, do you guys remember that weird French leak of Halo 2? And they all, all were just devastated. Like, oh, we remember. Like, it was excruciating for the team. And it was like my first instance of like this thing that's connected to a very positive memory in my mind than seeing developers just be like, that made us all want to jump out of a building. It's like, oh, that's right. Piracy. Got it. Okay. <laughs> Not great in retrospect. Uh, for me, 2004 uh, was, God, this is enough. This is tough, Dan. For Metal Gear Solid, it's kind of getting shafted because I went San Andreas over Snake Eater for wow. 2004. And then number three would be Paper Mario Thousand Year Door, which you're streaming now, right, Dan? I'm almost done with it, yeah. Yeah, it's it holds up very, very well. Yeah. Very funny. I, I, I love that game. Is it a tough one to stream, though? It's just a lot of battles, no. right? No, there's there's a whole story. Like, there's a, I know yeah, that. a full-on RPG. Yeah, I know. a lot of battles. No, I love it so much, but it's just like a lot of like, okay, you're going to be doing a lot of random battles and working your way through it here. There's lots of battles in video games. You can stream lots of them. Okay. You know what? Never mind. (laughs) No. What makes Paper Mario any different than any other game? I think like any JRPGs, it feels like it'd be difficult to stream. I'd be self-conscious about, okay, another battle, another battle. Whereas when I'm by myself and there's no viewership pressure, I feel like I can relax and just enjoy it So what games are good to stream? Action games. Games with physics in them. Yeah. Wait, so a fight in an action game is okay to stream, but a battle in an RPG isn't? Dan, it's not important. What? Is it because you get the instinct to listen to a podcast when you would be doing that, Hanson? Sometimes, Surreal. Sometimes. Hanson, <laughs> I, I have your back on this. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's not Thank as you. interesting to watch someone select menu items Thank as it you, is to watch a character Kyle, like, jump as much as I like to play like those that. games, but what has stood out the most, Dan, about Thousand Year Door? The writing. Like, it's just genuinely funny writing that holds up extremely well. Like, there's a part where you can, uh, you get some power where you can hear what animals are saying. And so you can go up to all the trees and listen to the crows. And the crows are all just talking about, like, bandwidth issues with their internet or just, like, uh, <laughs> climate change. Like, it's just, like, really weird stuff that's very, very funny. Oh, that's um, amazing. Yeah, it, 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 it holds up incredibly well. In that game? The, the, that? There's, like, a little side story going on with Luigi as you're, as you're playing. That's yeah, like in, in between every chapter, like you'll go back to kind of the hub world and Luigi's just there with some like, oh, here's this flower creature. Here's this Goomba I met. And like, he'll just tell you these long stories that Mario always falls asleep during while you're pressing A. <laughs> but it's like it's a, he's describing a completely different game. He's clearly describing a video game with like seven worlds and he has to say Princess Eclair and all this stuff. And it's like, <laughs> I want to play this game. I want that to be the rumored new paper. Wait, I guess the trailer came out. So I guess it's probably not that. Yeah, not rumored but, anymore. Uh, and you get like different outfits and colors right you can get waluigi's colored outfit in that game right i don't know you get waluigi i'm wario right now i just bought the wario cap okay god i think waluigi's also in there for the for the color scheme overall and obviously oh, great. rock hawk is uh we stand a legend mm-hmm. one of the greatest what? in the coliseum uh, yeah that that the level's great surreal so uh uh yeah for me it was pretty easy metal gear solid 3 probably mm-hmm. it's my favorite metal gear and then uh, right after that, Paper Mario, Half-Life 2, Ninja Gaiden, Tales of Symphonia, which is pretty cool. Just oh, I, don't, yeah. I don't know how great it is in retrospect, but 
the fact that that game had co-op meant my brother and I could play something for 80 hours together, which was really cool at the time. That is amazing. Uh, there, was, there was also just, I like, for whatever reason, I like their healing items, the gels that always heals you for 30%. I thought that was, like, a, at the time, a really smart way to outgrow uh, the, like, well, first you get a hot potion, then a high potion, versus these gels, which always heal you for the same amount, regardless of your health. And then the story, I, like, I think the, the story and the party members in that game, I think, were all pretty cool. And they all kind of played differently, and there were ways that if you were playing multiplayer, you could kind of break things by comboing different attacks together. And I think that was kind of the point they were trying to push you to, like, string all these combos together with different special moves. Yeah, I love that game. And I love that there was a character named Kratos who was voiced by Cam Clark of Liquid Snake fame. And I remember getting a real thrill out of that at the time. Like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, Cam Clark's in this other game I like. It's the best. (laughs) And then uh, Mortal Kombat Deception, which is probably my favorite of those PS2 era Mortal Kombat's because it had a... It had so much side content. It had like a whole chess game. I thought like the the roster was pretty cool, and it had like the uh, this weird adventure action adventure esque mode where you were just wandering on the different realms. Conquest uh, mode, yeah, with like yeah. a real time clock, and you just have to like meditate in a spot to maybe right. like zombie Liu Kang would show up. Yeah, and, yeah you great. have to meet Erdmac at two a.m. in the chaos realm, and so you yes. have to sit there and meditate until he happened, and then you'd fight him or whatever, and you you learned about Shujinko, who's like the, yep. the one character who'd unite all the realms or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was incredible. I'm totally There's, with you. That yeah, is most, most lore. Yeah, most lore in any Mortal Kombat game. But also had all those cool stage fatalities, which like yeah. I always loved fighting games when they would do like the Bushido Blade thing, where it's like, well, if you get a hit in the head with a sword, you're gonna die. I don't care how much health is left in your bar. And uh, Mortal Kombat had that deception because it would just be like mm-hmm. a giant grindy wheel and say, well, don't back up to that because you're gonna get kicked into the grindy wheel and die. And they would actually like build that into the stages. Yeah, that was a, that game was a ton of fun. I know I, people look back pretty poorly on those games, but I think Deception is is still like a really cool game yeah dan number one number one's metal gear solid three yeah um yeah it's just no question uh it is uh it's my number six game of all time um but other ones that were not mentioned uh ratchet and clank up your arsenal oh yeah uh, chronicles of riddick for xbox uh katamari damasi psyops the Mindgate conspiracy mm. and i'll give a little nod to twin snakes Hey, all right. Way to go, Twin Snakes. Yeah, it's crazy. They came out the same year as Metal Gear Solid 3. I forgot about that. It did, and it's weird because like my memory in, in fandom of Twin Snakes is probably less about actually playing it and more about they released a 27-minute trailer before it came out that was all of the good cutscenes. And that's what's good about that game is they just like really just like animate up all the cutscenes. Oh yeah, of, uh, the, which was already pretty animated, turns out. Um, but yeah, I just watched that like ninety times. Hang on, I remember very distinctly you on Giant Bomb when yes. people would describe Metal Gear as animated, like, yes. "Oh, it's cool it, stuff." What are you talking about? And now you're just fully embracing it. I, we really appreciate it. I, I was an idiot. It's full on anime and it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's great. Anime it's, it's through excellent. Dennis Dyack. Yeah. Yeah. I played Twin Snakes in the last few months. I, I loved Twin Snakes. I, it, yeah. Weirdly, people are down on it, but I, I think it's great. I would love to see it like ported to Switch, just wholesale, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that'd yeah. be really interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Kyle, what's your list? Uh, so Halo 2, number one. And then it's funny because like I love Metal Gear Solid 3, but that year it was like the first instance that I read too much about a game and knew too much about it going in. Yeah. So a lot of it too. was like spoiled for me. So it wasn't until it came out in the HD collection that I revisited like under with new new eyes, I guess you could say. And like 
really fell in love with it more then. But yeah. at the time, it, I just I knew everything. Like, mm-hmm. and at, from that point on, it's when I started like reading less about games if I could. You know? Yeah. Were you uh, privy to like all the uh, the leap casting sheets and stuff where it was like, oh, it says the bosses are all named the end and the fear, and because there were so many rumors about like, oh, is it going to follow up on the events of two? And I was on all these message boards and read every single leak and everything of that game. And I, I feel the same way, Kyle, that I I read too much. Yeah, I mean, even the things of like where you have to uh, use your uh, what's it called, the pill and your tooth or whatever. Side idea, like mm-hmm. all that stuff. Like I knew about before I actually played. Really? And, like, oh wow! Yeah, and it's like, so, but and but revisiting it years later, like I really adore that game. Like it's fantastic and it holds up really well. Um, <laughs> and then um, oh, what was the uh, oh Half Life Two was definitely like the it was that between that and Halo Two. And I'm glad Dan mentioned Katamari. Uh, and then um, Sly Two came out though that year. Minish Cap is freaking fantastic i've got that as oh five yeah I've got okay that, that might be the japanese release it yeah. might be one of those situations um spider-man 2 was out that yeah. year a game that i really adore yeah. and then um yeah jack 3 and then jeff mentioned fable i really loved fable a lot uh it's crazy it's not exactly our wheelhouse but obviously i gotta mention world of warcraft came out in 2004 you know you talk about gta 3 being the most influential game world of warcraft has to be up there too on that list for the overall decade uh did everybody else love san andreas I thought it was really good. Uh, yeah, it, it was up there for me. It's the first Grand Theft Auto that I beat. Like, I liked 3. I yeah. liked Vice City. I, like, these are cool playgrounds, but San Andreas was the first one that I got into the story and actually saw credits, which is like, those games are huge. Like, mm-hmm. GTA games are really big. So it was like, it was an undertaking to actually finish that game. Yeah, I remember, I love that game so much. And like, you know, uh, taking back the different districts from the from the gangs there in Los Santos. I remember I saved one because I'm like, I want to save this one district and come back to it in the future and actually wipe the gang out and take over this territory and i probably still have that on my memory card somewhere just this one area that i've been saving for all these years because i was savoring it so much but i still love that game and it did such a great job of conveying the emotions of like being so bogged down by just the bs and just the gang warfare and all that stuff in los santos then you get away and you're away for so long and then that feeling of like hey you gotta come back and you come back to Los Santos obviously the riots I'm sure they look hilarious in retrospect on the PS2 but that was such a unique feeling of just like oh that's right CJ broke free of all this stuff and now we're just back in it it's like it was just like such a good mirroring of where the character was at and where the player was at just like I don't want to deal with this crap anymore the world is bigger than just these stupid fights on these two blocks and now I have to deal with this stuff again it was so smart Mm -hmm. uh 2005 Yeah, this is. I think this is my personal favorite year in games ever. Really? Uh, Why is that? Uh, I'll let me. Well, I'll read you my top ten here. Uh, So number ten, Mario Kart DS. Number nine, Fire Emblem: uh, The Sacred Stones. Number eight, Psychonauts. Number seven, Fear. Number six, Castlevania: uh, Dawn of Sorrow. Number five, Devil May Cry three. Number four, Shadow of the Colossus. Number three, Resident Evil four. Number two, Advanced Wars: Dual Strike. And number one, Killer Seven. So those are. are Go ahead. Uh, so those are like, uh, I think the top three there are all in my top tens and then Shadow Colossus is pretty close to be like, I think if I, I'm, I was considering putting it on my top 10 of all time. So like there is, uh, there's a ton of games here that I just have so many fond memories of that I think, and there, yeah, there are a lot of other stuff that I didn't put on this list just because I, I haven't like, don't have like that personal attachment, but looking at the list, I remember thinking like, man, this year was such a knockout for me. 
And you named a lot of them, like in terms of portable games, like this year, mm. you named a ton, but like Kirby, Canvas Cursed, and Luminous. There were two portable WarioWare games that came out, Touched and Twisted. Yeah, Touched and Twisted. Wow. Like there was some uh, Minish Cap. Like, I mean, it was a hell of a year for portable. Like this is probably the year that I really got into portable. Oh, interesting. Uh, Dan, what's your number one for 2005? Mercenaries. Playground of Destruction. No, Overshadow of the Colossus? It's a better game, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are a maniac. All right, what's the deal with Mercenaries? Have you not played it? I don't think so. I might have produced oh a God. replay back at Game Informer. It was just made for me. It's a giant open world that you can just do the dumbest bullshit. Imagine, like, kind of Just Cause tone before Just Cause, where it's like, okay, I can take over this helicopter and it's got like a magnet thing and I can go go down and like pick up a car and swing it around and throw it over the horizon or I can set down like eight things of C4 and wait for a car to drive over it and when you detonate, it actually stacks and like the car blasts off basically into space. Every building you could actually destroy. So it's set in North Korea and they're like big cities and stuff. You can call in these like fuel bombs and stuff and just level an entire block. Like you watch all the, the things go down. All of the bad guys, are, there's this deck of 52 system where yep. all these like dictators and generals and stuff, it's, I mean, it was after like the Iraq war, which I think right. the Iraq war where they had the deck yeah. of 52. So yeah, and you can either capture or kill all 52 of them and work your way up and everything. And also, you can play on the Xbox as Han Solo and on PS2, you can play as Indiana Jones. What? So I just played that game as Han Solo running around North Korea, just like toppling the government. It's incredible. <laughs> With like just it, it, it is totally like the best version of like that just cause type of uh, tone, you know, and just so open and silly, but not like constant like winky silly. Like it, I, I'm going back to it because it is backwards compatible on Xbox. That is a short list game I'm going to stream because every time I think about that game, I'm like, why don't people always talk about mercenaries? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the open world games were still pretty novel at that point, and that I remember that too of just. All the buildings being destructible was awesome, and that and that deck of cards. And what was cool was that all those people were actually just out in the world, so you mm-hmm. could just yeah. kind of happen upon them. It was like the Nemesis have system. A convoy with them. Yeah, yeah. Was that your number yeah, one as well, Jeff? That that one was on my short list, uh, along with Battlefront Two, Ninja Gaiden Black, uh, Jade Empire. Uh, but my number one was GTA San Andreas because that was the year it came out on Xbox. So. That's confusing, but got it. Yeah, yeah. Kyle, what do yeah. you got? I'm sure we have the same one. It's uh, Shadow of the Colossus. That is the is correct answer, ladies and gentlemen. We're looking one. for Shadow yeah. of the Colossus for 2005. Yeah, but I mean, Psychonauts, Resident Evil 4. Uh, not Resident Evil 4, but... Oh, we'll you're talking about the the 93rd best game of all time. Hang on. I'm glad you mentioned... Hang on, hang on. I'm glad you mentioned Dawn of Sorrow Serial because that might be my favorite Castlevania, like, period. Yeah, mine's coming up in a few years, but Donosaurus is definitely like my second. Like, it's either that or Symphony of Life are my second favorite. And that's also God of War came out that year, which is yeah. God of War is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, what was one notch above Shadow of the Colossus, Dan? Uh, let me take a look here. Above 93, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, at least there's justice in this world. Uh, also, it's about Bioshock. All right. All right. Uh, so yeah. Shadow of the Colossus for me, uh, Resident Evil 4, right behind that, and then Guitar Hero 1. Um, was a revelation back in that day, especially like it was right when I got to the dorms and I loved harmonics so much at that point, but somehow I completely missed it. It was one of those things of just checking GameSpot. It's like, what's this? A new harmonics game? And they gave it a nine. All right, well, I need to bring it to the dorms. And then like being the first person in the dorms to have Guitar Hero and just leaving the door open and like so many people would come in and play. It was just a blast. 
But also 2005, ticket, uh, tip of the cap to King Kong. I'm sorry, Peter Jackson's King Kong, the official game of the movie. <laughs> a game it. that still holds up very well. Uh, uh, and then also Civ 4 came out that year. So a lot of good stuff. In I had a weird thing, a uh, weird reckoning with Guitar Hero because I didn't really get into the series until 2 because I know a lot of uh, a lot of my friends were like, man, Guitar Hero is really cool. And I, I'm just like a weird stickler for songs sounding uh, like for different renditions of songs. Right. Like I usually don't even like live versions of songs most of the time. So hearing covers, I was just like, no, this is trash. I don't like this at all. And, <laughs> and, and, and so it was until 2 that, that they got more of the masters that I really got into that series. But yeah, yeah, yeah I totally see where like... Yeah, that's where this entire, that's where like half the decade was really defined by that game in a, in a weird way. Yeah, it's confusing, but I think you're right. Uh, damn. Some runners up uh, for that year. Uh, I think we mentioned Resident Evil 4. Um, Fight Night Round 2 was great. Devil May Cry 3 is yep. maybe like one of the best of that genre uh, ever. Time Splitters, Future Perfect, Killer 7, uh, Call of Duty 2, Geometry Wars, Ooh, and wow. um, Mortal Kombat Shaolin Mucks. Just Fun as hell co-op. Yeah, that was that was almost on my list as well. And Dan, yeah. I, real quick, I just want to point out that Dan, of all people, has Killer Seven on his list as well. All right, I'm not an insane person. That yeah, game we is know cool as hell. Times that Dan can be wrong about things. <laughs> uh, I don't know Foster. if you've seen my Twitch streams, but I have not been wrong once. <laughs> <laughs> no one's called him on it. No one's disagreed with me. No. Uh, Dan, no Metal Gear Acid on your list. Nah, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> All so, right. Like, Lumen, Lumen was that year? Is it Luminous? Luminous? Yeah, Luminous. Did you say Lumens? I that Luminous for years, but then I started hearing Lumens. So I don't know. I don't Luminous. know what are you talking Luminous. about. But that's I love Luminous. Like that. That's definitely on my list. I, for sure. Only, only reason to own a PSP. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, hey, 2006. Kyle, you want to kick this off? Uh, yeah, Twilight Princess. Uh, for oh, me, number one. I really loved Twilight Princess. Um. More than Wind Waker. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, even even replaying it, I like uh, Twilight Princess more. I just like the tone. I just like the, uh, the color of and that. That's the one where Blaze bleeds, so Kyle's really into it. Blood's on the ground in that <laughs> one, maybe. Um, yeah, so uh, Twilight Princess, but then um, Oblivion came out that year. Okami was a big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wii Sports, uh, I loved. Um, uh, Gears of War came out that year. Guitar Hero 2 is actually where yep. Guitar Hero gets... That's where Guitar Hero gets on my list. Oh, sure. Two. Yeah, Guitar Hero. Guitar Hero is my number three. Yeah, and then um, I also have uh, Elite Beat Agents on DS and yes. um, Portrait of Ruin, Castlevania Portrait of Ruin. Yeah, love DS Castlevania games. Yes, those are all pretty good. I think the, yeah. Portrait of Ruin is probably my least favorite of those DS games, but it's like that bar was still pretty high overall. Yeah, Dan, two thousand six. Uh, several of the games I already mentioned. My number one is Twilight Princess. Um, oh, yeah, wait, Dan I, is right. I'm sorry. Dan, Dan's always right. Sorry. Oh, Thank you, Kyle. I'll be you damned. <laughs> yeah. No, Twilight Princess, especially after, because uh, like the hype was so ridiculous for that game. That was the one where everyone was sobbing and, you know, setting themselves on fire during E3 and everything. <laughs> but uh, so like the hype was so big. It was like, this is going to be the next Ocarina of Time. And it's not as good as Ocarina. But playing through it when that HD one uh, came out on the Wii U, it was great to be removed from that hype because like those dungeons in particular are among the best dungeons in 3D Zelda games. Like there are things that aren't great. I don't like a lot of the wolf stuff. Uh, but ultimately I, I really do think that the uh it's it's a very, very solid Zelda yeah. game. Yeah, I, I, I it's my number five mostly because I haven't gone back to it since the Wii release and I'm kind of like I, I gave more credence to games I'd played recently and could validate. Uh, and I remember thinking, yeah, like Twilight Princess was maybe the start of them shifting more towards like the dungeons are like the thing, the attract, the main attraction, and then the rest of the outside stuff can be kind of hit or miss. And that's kind of the reason I like 
when someone says, hey, you want to play Twilight Princess? I'm just like, ah, that's, that is an undertaking in a way that, you know, previous Zeldas weren't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, th- those dungeons, I think, were amazing at the time. That is the, uh, that's when Nintendo got very mad at me uh, because I was playing that ahead of release and they didn't send me embargo information at all for Twilight Princess. And so I was working for a little Lawrence.com, Kansas website, and our website crashed because I posted pictures of like, whoa, Ganon's in this game. Check it out. And I took like pictures <laughs> oh. with my like two megapixel camera of the screen, blurry as hell, and crashed Lawrence.com. The next day, Nintendo called me and they're like, Hey, so we're glad you're enjoying Twilight Princess. Can you take down the Ganon pictures? And so, yeah, I, I broke that to the internet and uh, got Nintendo mad at me. Wow. What, uh, yeah. How did you get the word out? It's amazing that people were able to find that at Lawrence.com. I think I think uh, like an IGN message board, like a Zelda board, posted it, and that's where like most of the traffic was coming from. And then it just blew up and was on every like game site. I'm like, I can't believe so. Nintendo was so cool about that. You think they would nuke uh, Lawrence, Kansas from orbit? They they did not send the uh, embargo stuff. Um, but also, I want to make sure uh, Bully came out this mm. year. Bully is that might be the Rockstar game I ranked the highest actually. Out of Interesting. All of them. Uh, oh no, no no first first Red Dead. Um, but uh, Saints Row, Dead Rising, Prey. I want to bring up those three. As yeah, well. yeah. This, Prey, Prey, I really liked at the mm-hmm, time. Yeah. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed Prey. Huh. It, it gets it, it gets a bad rap, but I, I liked Prey. Yeah. One of my favorite demos ever. It had a working jukebox. Yeah. <laughs> what more do you need? This is a really strangely slow year for me. Uh, my number one is Final Fantasy twelve. Then it's the first Rhythm Heaven, which uh, imported from Japan to play on Game Boy Advance, uh, and then I put Subsistence as number three, which seems weird, but like. It's considering how excited I was about that, and like I played a decent amount of that multiplayer. Uh, it was not great, but I remember running around with shotguns a fair amount and hiding. Doing in a something box with a frog. Stuff. I don't. Oh, yeah. monkey frog or something. Uh, yeah, and then there was monkey versus snake. Yeah, and uh, Metal Gear Stupid. One of mm-hmm. the highlights. If you've never seen Metal Gear Stupid, please look it up. It is. It feels like a parody of Metal Gear that was produced by Kojima Productions. It's amazing. <laughs> it also yeah. had Metal Gear One and Two on it, so. Yeah, that's yeah, true. That's right. Yeah. 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 Oh, so right. I, I played through the. Hanson, you're not game. a Wii Sports boy. You'd be no, all about that. I, I respect Wii Sports, but no, I was never <laughs> Gaga over it because I, I didn't get a Switch or sorry a Wii uh, for quite a while. So no, hmm. nah, not it's so much. The 69th best game of all time, beating Bully. Nice. Wow, there it is. I mean, uh, it was a staple, like in our because I was like out of the dorm into apartments at that point. Like everyone yeah. made their own avatar. It was oh, like wow. you know, Wii bowling, uh, high scoreboards all over the yep. place and stuff like that. It was huge. It was yeah. every night after yeah. the bar. Like the bars would close at two a.m. and everyone's like, "Let's go play the Wii. We're all gonna bowl." Like every single yeah. time. Yeah. I know this matters a lot to everybody, but it's the only non-Candy Crush game my dad has ever played that I <laughs> that I'm aware of. Wow. He played one round of Wii bowling and he said he enjoyed himself. Hurrah! Yeah, uh, Wii Bowling was on my short list as well. Um, uh, you, the internet crapped out earlier, so I don't know if you guys said these games, but Just Cause no. was a big one. Uh, Ghost Recon Advanced Warfighter. I was on my yeah. list for a little while, yeah. Grom. Yeah, which was, which, yeah, which was just cool because it was kind of a local, more tactical, you know, open world kind of military shooter. My friends and I mm-hmm. played a lot of that. Way more more than it really justified than the game justified. But uh, Dead Rising, also, and my Another number one game. was. Yes, it did. Uh, my number one was Oblivion. 
There it is. Yeah, okay, I'm glad it's on my list here. as well. It's my number nine. Yeah. Which, as a as a follow up to Morrowind, gave me pretty much everything I wanted, and also a frame rate that didn't completely crap the bed. So. Mm-hmm. And Patrick Stewart. Do you remember? Got little Patrick Stewart fan. Do you remember anticipating uh, Oblivion? Were you checking websites a lot, reading magazines? What were you doing back then, Jeff? Um? Uh, yeah. I I don't know how much I was checking. What little I had heard of it, I was super looking forward to it for years and years. I, re- I remember hearing that Oblivion got delayed and being really disappointed by it because it was supposed to make the 360s launch. But then it made it uh, made me feel a little bit better when I couldn't find a 360 at launch. So I was like, okay, as long as I can get one before Oblivion comes out, I'll be yeah. good. It's more time uh, to play Cameo. Exactly. <laughs> no, like I think 2006 was like the year that I had the most games that I played after release. Like that I didn't play. The, I, like this list is primarily games that I played outside of 2006. Because I remember the games that I was playing were Mario Kart DS and Call of Duty 2, which came out in 2005. And that was like, I just played nothing but Call of Duty 2 after I got my 360. Uh, but my number one 2006 game is actually Tetris DS. Yeah. Oh, uh, interesting. Which, which is like surprisingly rare now. I think it's like a, a like surprisingly hard game to find nowadays. Um, but I remember playing the crap out of that. It had like all these like really interesting experimental modes. Like there was a game where pieces could drop from either side of the, they could fall from like the top and the bottom and you were making this weird amalgam shape in the middle. Uh, there was like a mission mode based on like Legend of Zelda. There, there was like a, a Metroid one where you could rotate the, the block. Uh, and then my second uh, favorite was pro- uh, Company Heroes, two, uh, Company of Heroes, the original Company of Heroes. Oh, interesting. Which is, which is I feel like it, it is, I think it it's a little bit more, it's sort of like the, the Forza Motorsport to like, you know, Burnout. Uh, most other strategy games feel like they're burnout, and this feels a little closer to something like Forza, where it's still kind of arcadey, but it feels more realistic. It was like the first game where you're taking cover of like, oh, don't just like throw a bunch of enemies at this like Panzer. You're going to need to actually make sure that they're cooped up in the right parts of cover, and that yeah. you're utilizing like mines and like uh, m- like minesweepers as tanks to make sure you're clearing the roads for tanks so they don't get destroyed. And you're watching like uh, make sure you're attacking a tank from behind so that you can destroy its armor, things like that. Uh, and I, but I, I didn't play it in 2006. I played it in like 2010, and that game I think still really holds up as like one of the best RT, uh, RTS campaigns ever. Were and then you, were you hanging? Well, were you playing uh, Dota in this era? No, I didn't. I didn't play Dota until Dota 2. Oh, so, really? Okay. Yeah. So I I, I wasn't playing like I was I was playing like StarCraft mods, and I I'm pretty sure right. I saw stuff like Defense of the Ancients, but I, I I probably played a game of Dota and just didn't understand what what it was. Um, and then, you know, other people have mentioned Gears of War, Twilight Princess, and this was actually the first time I played Final Fantasy V, uh, which is my, uh, probably my favorite of those early Final Fantasies, because it came huh. out on GBA. Oh, okay. Oh, weird. Which I think was, it was, I think it had already been out in, like, a PS1 compilation in 99. Uh, but yeah, this, I think, favorite, right? yeah. yeah, and this had, like, I think this was, like, an updated version that had, like, an extra dungeon or something, but that, that was... Uh, that was when I first played it, and then just a quick shout out to Chrome Hounds, which is uh, wow. a, a game that I like. I don't know that I love it, but I remember thinking like this is not like any other game that I've played. This is so it wasn't weird. Yeah, <laughs> I remember like there's a, a point where someone was telling me like just you have the you have the the Chrome Hound that's a sniper. Just sit in the back of this field. We'll go and attack them. All you have to do is bomb them from super far away. And there was this guy in my headset just telling me what to do the entire match. 
And now it's just like, okay, now, you, okay, they're over here. Move your thing like this far, it, like move your cursor this way, and you'll. I think you should be able to get them. And we won that match, and I was like, that was really cool. Like for a team coordination thing, it was like probably one of my favorite matches that I've had in a multiplayer game. And like the customization aspect of that game was was also pretty cool. Do you think uh, like yeah. so that was from software's weird mech game? Do you think it was like a lot of Xbox fans being like, oh, th- well, this will be like mech assault. I'll check this out. Probably, probably that's sort of where I came from. So like, I just want a dumb mech game, and that it was yeah. not that. Like the single player was priming you for like, here's how to use every mech in the game for when you go into multiplayer. Yeah, like Dan- it was. It wasn't like a a campaign so much as it was a tutorial. But I, re- I remember playing it and like being like, this is all right. This is all right. Dan, why did uh, Chrome Hounds hurt you? What's going on there? I think it was. I don't think I knew what mech games were. The only like is, is Zone of the Enders a mech game? I no, guess, but it's so fast. It's so. I think that. Well, that's the thing. It's so fast, and you're flying around. I love Zone of the Enders, and so like I never played. I still haven't played like Mech Assault or Front Mission or anything like that. And uh, so I remember getting Chrome Hounds for review. And just started playing it. I was like, why is it so fucking slow? Like, this thing is just like, there's all these buttons. There's so many things to do. And it, it didn't feel like an action game at all. It felt like it was just very plotting. And I remember just being angry playing it. Like, what the f- Who wants to play this? Who wants to move this slow? <laughs> Sorry, but no. you, mentioned, you mentioned Tetris DS. And I remember uh, distinctly, it felt like magic to me. Because first of all, it's just a great Tetris game. Mm. But second of all, I this is before I had Wi-Fi. Like, Wi-Fi is everywhere now. But, like, I, not everyone had Wi-Fi back then. And so I had to get the Nintendo Wi-Fi connect. It was yeah, like the, the little dongle. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got oh, the dongle. I better go to McDonald's. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> I remember having my tricks too. Yeah, <laughs> we were having my DS and being like, I, I distinctly remember several poops just like playing mm-hmm. Tetris DS and just being like, I'm playing Tetris against someone somewhere else in the world while I'm pooping and there's no wires anywhere. And I thought that was just absolute magic. The magic is that they could have also been pooping at the same time. I know! Yeah. What a world! <laughs> Did you ever drop the long piece right when the splash happened? Again? <laughs> Come on! That's funny. Uh, 2007. And then all the poop disappeared. As the flush goes. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Jeffum, 2007. Number one. Take it away. Uh, yeah, Murderer's Row for 2007. Oh my god, what a year. What? Um. <laughs> what? I was just going to say, it's like easily the weakest one this decade. 2007? Really? Crazy? Right, yeah. Listen They're to like, these, ter- listen right, to these terrible games. The Orange Box, yeah, yeah, which was my number one and had okay. Portal in it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, bro- I broke all of those out. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's collectively yeah. it's probably. I just put yes. Portal. Yeah. Uh, so in, in, in addition to all of the amazing Valve Half-Life games, um, we also had Mass Effect, Assassin's Creed, Super Mario Galaxy, Bioshock, Modern Warfare, Halo 3, Crackdown, and Guitar Hero 3, Dan! Mass Effect is okay at best, and Assassin's uh, Creed has always sucked. Also, Dan, God of War 2, Uncharted, The Witcher, yes, Metroid yes. Prime 3, Rock Band, uh, Phantom Hourglass, uh, Peggle, Ratchet and Clank, Future, Super Paper Mario, Skate, Zack and Wiki, WarriorWare Smooth Moves, Pokemon Diamond and Pearl, Contra 4, and Unreal Tournament 3. You're listing a lot of, like, good games. I'm talking about, like, <laughs> great games, and I listed... These are the, the only ones games. that made the list here. Crackdown, God of yeah. War 2, Phantom Hourglass, Call of Duty 4, uh, Portal, and Mario Galaxy. That's and Mar- it. Like and Galaxy games, games right there. <laughs> They're really good, but in terms of, like, I listed, like, a ton, and, like, overall, they were better games than other years. Mario Galaxy is a masterpiece, though. And that's your number one by a mile. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. God, I, too, yeah. I had a really tough one uh, this year. because like, oh, Galaxy's got to make that cut. But Mass Effect, that's a lock, number one. Number two, I got to give it to Rock Band. Had so much fun. And then this is maybe 
my most played game of the year is Peggle. Like playing Peggle on my iPod Nano. I had such a blast with that game. I had more fun with that than Mario Galaxy. But no doubt, <laughs> Galaxy is a masterpiece and I love it dearly. But that was the debate. Was Peggle versus Mario Galaxy for the number three no, spot? I, Hanson, Peggle's on my short list. Oh, thank you. Like, it was one that I would, I would talk to people who, you know, who weren't like huge gamers. I'd be like, no, no, you don't understand. Like, this is the second coming of Tetris. Like, we've, we've mm. made it. It's called Peggle. <laughs> it's who's, who's the we in that sentence? Who are the we? All of us, man, who were gifted Peggle that year. <laughs> so, and it was on phone. It was pretty good on phone, I remember. Because um, I, I worked in tech support at Garmin GPS uh, back then. And I remember just like taking the longest poops ever because I didn't want to answer calls and just playing Peggle the whole time. I don't, I don't have poop stories for every game, but they're just kind of back-to-back. So uh, apologies cool. for all the poop. Uh, so Kyle, Peggle's number one? No, it's not number one, but it's on my short list. I mean, it's Mario Galaxy. Mario Galaxy is my favorite 3D Mario game ever. Like, period. Um, Hang I on. love Mario Galaxy. Are we um are we re- reaching a little bit of a consensus here for what the game of the decade could be? It's the twenty third best game of all time. <laughs> Scientifically proven. I mean, I was gonna say it's it's one I'll bring up at at the end of this, but yeah, I mean Galaxy, Bioshock, Call of Duty, Halo 3, Orange Box. I mean, we've hit oh yeah, a, a crackdown I loved. Uh crackdown I yeah. really adored that year. Um and you yeah, only got Galaxy for the Halo 3 demo on top for sure. I why did I have Bioshock for 08? I must be wrong. Bioshock's great. So. Maybe you think you played it on PS3? Oh, no, you know what? No. Okay. No, yeah, it's 07. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, Kyle, did you get Crackdown for the Halo 3 demo, though? Um, yes. Yeah, you know what? I guess I, I, guess I can... I will say that. Like, I, I got Crackdown because I was really excited for Halo 3, but then I just ended up absolutely adoring Crackdown. Like, probably... I liked Crackdown more than Halo 3 in the long run, I, as much as I liked Halo 3. Um, but, Yeah. I mean, I remember all the, you know, the, the internet was young back then, but there were even memes then that was like Halo 3 beta plus Crackdown. I remember people were writing on the shipment boxes and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, did you have any pause about putting Portal above Galaxy? Um, No, I, I, I love the orange box in general. Um, and I loved, loved Portal, but like when it comes to Portal discussions, like I think Portal 2 just absolutely mops the floor with Portal 1. Like just no question. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh. 2008. Oh, I just, uh, I had a couple of quick shout outs. Please. I think Persona 3 is probably my, my number one game from 2007. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, and, then, and then Galaxy, and then Bioshock, and then Call of Duty. And then uh, my favorite Phoenix Wright game, Trials and Tribulations, is probably is oh. up there. It's one of, one of, I think, still a really readable, readable really fun, like visual novel slash mystery game. Uh, and then, yeah, yeah, we mentioned it before, but Super Paper Mario, I think, for some reason, people don't seem to like that game, because I know it's very different from the RPG roots of that That's series, and I it get is, it, yeah. but I think as, like, a, a fusion of RPG and platformer, I think it, like, accomplished what it sets out to do, and it's really fun. I like that game a lot. Yeah. All right, 2008. What, uh, what's screaming for people here? Metal Gear Solid 4. Metal Gear Solid 4 is uh, probably the correct answer. Same here. That's the one, yes. Anybody That's else have right. Metal Gear Solid 4 as number one? Uh, no, it's GTA 4. Oh, yeah, GTA 4. Yeah. It's on yeah, the list. Obviously. I guess we're out. Uh, Destroy All Humans Star Wars is actually low on my queue of Metal Gear games. I, I I didn't love it that year when it came out. It's one I want to revisit uh, the same way I did with 3, but like I I kind of struggled with that game. Uh, I felt like it was a slog. Just the I thought that at first, but then when I played through it again at Giant Bomb, I really appreciated just how like boldly and weirdly it tied everything together. Like It really pulled it off. 
I, I want to go back to it. I, I, like I, th- I honestly think I would feel that way. But that year when it came out, I was, I was kind of disappointed in it. You know? Oh, really? Yeah. I also think, I mean, I think f- uh, what I'll give Metal Gear Solid 4 is that it felt like a conclusion in a way that a lot of games didn't back then. Whereas everything was always like, well, like either it's a self-contained story or it's like, well, you're, you don't really leave the door closed for a sequel, even though like, you know, and, and to this day, like, I think like Revengeance is really the only game in that timeline that's proceeded further. So it still yeah. does feel like that's where the storyline, like the main storyline of Metal Gear ends. And it's kind of it's kind of like uh, an accomplishment that that has remained the case, you know, for for so long. And if we're doing the best sequence of the decade, or in gaming history, or just media history, it's just the Ocelot fistfight. It's pretty stellar work. Yeah, it's thought, the best I, piece of entertainment that's ever happened. I thought you're gonna go microwave hallway. That's what I thought too. Microwave hallway is great, but the fucking fist fight. It's just I go back and watch that numerous times a year. And it's, oh man, it's, it's, just, it's really, it's the best thing video games have ever done. Having the UI <laughs> change is one of those like classic Kojima touches. Like, oh, that's so fun. I love it so much. It, it's you, just the fact that it goes on, like there are times where it seems like it's going too long, but then it just keeps going. It's like the they live fight, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, when they both do the thing and the bars <laughs> fill back up and they're just dropping elbows and shit. And it's so good. Do you remember uh, like how scared people were of spoilers back then. I was definitely in that camp, but I finished that game before any of my friends. So it was just that weird tension of like, I know what happens and I know that snake, all right, doesn't really die at the end, which everybody was expecting. Yeah. Well, because the first trailer was him like, you know, sucking on a gun. <laughs> Making um, too many mouth but, sounds, yeah. <laughs> but I uh, I spoiled it for myself accidentally at the very end because the credits were rolling and I wanted to like look something up like, because doesn't it cut to black like and you think before it goes credits that he might have shot himself yeah i think you hear the gunshot even yeah yeah i think you hear it and that's right because we find out what that was uh but i looked it up i googled like does solid snake die at end of metal gear solid 4 while the credits were rolling and they're like well no as you can see when big boss shows up and comes back from the dead like what (laughs) and then like i looked up and the the credits were like big boss richard doyle or whatever mother Yeah, that was and definitely one of those ones for, for another what? two hours. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. and it was great. I if if I could do one thing in the video game industry, if I had a magic wand, I think I'd want to write that scene. I ain't no writer, but I just feel like that scene should have been more so much more powerful than it was. It's one of those things that was like powerful to think about, and then in reality, you're listening to a bunch of old guys for an hour and a half talk about how zero or one needs to become zero, and it's like I I just feel like. You could compact this down, have a couple of powerful moments, and get out of there, right? It's pretty funny that like one of the climaxes of this like classic series is just like a hundred year old man in a wheelchair just like unplugging his breathing tube in a graveyard. Like that's the end. It's like all right. Oh, we're safe from this terror now. God, I remember thinking it was so funny too when you think that you saw Big Boss earlier in the game. Like his body oh, Solidus, was like in the yeah. body bag. Yeah, it was actually Solidus. He's like, ah, and that body bag. You see his crazy <laughs> eyes, right? Everything that was so hilarious just him, like, yeah. on the just river. Like, they would cut to the back of the car, and he's just, like, rattling around. <laughs> <laughs> God, and I remember listening to every episode of the Kojima Productions Report podcast that uh, Ryan Payton hosted, and I loved it. It was so much fun. Um, and I remember on that, they had David Hader on, and he was talking about how much fun it would be if he could ever record a scene where he was Big Boss talking to Solid Snake. And so he's like, oh, I don't know if it'd ever even be possible in the timeline, but I'd love to record that someday. And so then when that scene rolled around and it wasn't David Hayter on David Hayter, I was like, oh man, like Richard Doyle? <laughs> Who the hell is this guy? 
<laughs> it was jarring. It just it didn't feel like the big boss I wanted, I guess. I get it. He looks cool, though. I mean, no doubt he looks badass. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, uh, my runners-up are Little Big Planet 1 uh, and then World of Goo. Uh, first big mm, I, game. I, I had that one down, too. Oh, you're World of Goo Man. Yeah, that's a game that I've probably played on like 10 different platforms. And every time it's still it's still a ton of fun. Yeah, that soundtrack is out of this world still. It's very uh, Danny Elfman, but still excellent. 2008, yeah. what yeah. else is out there for people? Uh, my runner-up after GTA 4 is The World Ends With You, which is probably... Mm. It's like the only... I think it's probably my favorite game by Nomura, uh, oh, oddly enough. Because uh, it's just really like... It, it, it's a little emo, but it, it has this really interesting setup where the world is going to end in seven days. And the like the Switch port and the mobile port, I, I feel like are still not the way to play that game. The original DS game, I just really like that dual screen, like the, the, the setup there. And I think a lot of the characters work really well. Um, and uh, my my favorite Castlevania game, Order of Ecclesia, yeah. is is number six. I think it's may it is. Uh, I, I was surprised actually reading up on it because I remember really liking it at the time, and I went back to like realize what why did I like that game so much? And I realized it's a lot of the stuff that's in Bloodstain actually a lot with like the different like finding the different glyphs and putting out together different loadouts. That's all in Order of Ecclesia. That's mm-hmm. uh, that is where that comes from, and it's also a lot harder. And I also think that. A lot of the boss design and a lot of the level design, I think, is actually really strong. It's maybe some of, like, it's a little more level-based. It's not, like, a huge castle. But I think the, the way that it uses side quests even to, like, okay, now go get me this thing, and there's going to be an extra, like, boss at the end if you do this. I think that stuff was really well done. And it, um, yeah, it's still probably my favorite Castlevania game. And then uh, Advanced Wars Days of Ruin. Uh, and then I played a lot of Call of Duty, Call of Duty World at War, even though I know oh, it's, wow. I don't acknowledge it as, like, like the best Call of Duty game, but I remember like, oh, I'll take another Call of Duty, and I really enjoyed that. Uh, and it's then really Brown good. It was just, it was weird to go back to World War II after yeah. you know, Modern Warfare, but it, it's still good. Yeah, especially since they like upped the pace of the of like all the combat to match Call of Duty Four, so it felt mm. like you were playing this really like uh, aggressive version of World War II, which probably was not how battles played out. Uh, yeah, and then they were pretty aggressive. aggressive in World War II. Well, yeah, they like, straight up killed that, each like, other, dude. The pace of like the the way you could just drop a bouncy bedding and having it immediately like pop off in front of somebody and you not die or whatever. Just like the really comical ways that they. It was like the first time where I was like, okay, this is probably maybe a little disrespectful to World War II. The, the, the dogs like ripping people apart. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And every time you won, there was like what, uh, Kiefer Sutherland saying like, "Outstanding Marines, out." And standing, <laughs> uh, uh, and Burnout Paradise, which I, I really enjoy, yes. like uh, the open world structure of that, I think really brings together a lot of like, oh, you can just like mess around and, and wreck stuff all the time, or you can get into a race with a bunch of people that feels kind of spontaneous, even though they were there was like a, a something of a lobby system. But yeah, 2008 fun year. Uh, no one have Dead Space. I, yeah, I, I, I have Dead Space my number eight. Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. I was just going to mention uh, Dead Space, Fable Two, uh, Fallout Three. Mm-hmm. Which which was I I didn't know anything about the older Fallout games obviously but yeah. having gone through Morrowind and Oblivion it was like oh my god I can I can play the same kind of thing but without the fantasy crap you know yes, like yes. like a like a, a Mad Max kind of post apocalyptic setting was just so much more interesting to me I never knew also that some such... of my favorite DLC rollout ever they had those like mm-hmm. five packs and it was all like these mm-hmm. new areas and yeah. it was like yeah. Operation Anchorage right you went to Alaska and stuff. Yeah, there was the pit. There's the like... there was one that took you to Anchorage, one that took you to Pittsburgh, one that I think was in the main area, and that was like the one that extended the game. Uh, yeah, that let, that let you play after the credits rolled. There was the one that took place yes. in the swamp, and then the UFO. There was one more. Yeah, and then that. One. Yeah, right. The UFO yep. one. Yeah, Jeff, I'm surprised then, you have so much uh, Bethesda on your list overall. No, I've 
I've always liked those games. Gosh, yeah. I guess just maybe they haven't been as relevant recently, so I haven't heard you. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's about it's them. kind of that that stagnation and the the continued problems, like like all these yeah. problems that I was willing to overlook for you know this decade to have them still going on in this decade is right. just kind of a, a pain in the ass. But I also wanted to uh, call out Left for Dead as well. Which yeah, I played a ton of hell back yeah in the day too. Uh, other contenders? Uh, I don't think we brought up Smash Brothers Brawl. Yeah, right? I was close to putting that on there, but it went with yeah, World of Goo instead, I mean, but... as far as as far as Smash Brothers goes, like I just kind of missed the boat on Melee. I got a GameCube late. Mm. I didn't really mm. play it a ton, but like Snake in Brawl was just like enough to get me so excited about that game. Yeah, uh, I also one of the really best liked... reveals ever in a game for yeah. for a game. Oh, the first time they went third with a third party character. And I know it's yeah. it's a bummer in retrospect. Like, oh, the tripping. I know there's a lot of negative sentiment about Brawl, but still a blast to play. And the fact that you could plug the GameCube controllers into the Wii is like, all right, I'm having a great time. Dan, I think you yeah. played that and won a Guinness World Record for playing that. Sure did. Yeah. It's <laughs> crazy to think 30 about. hours of that damn game. God, you complain so much. Speaking of that one, like, I like it a lot and I am so far from a competitive Smash player. So for me, it's just like every Smash that comes out is the best Smash. You know, it's like, well, it's got more characters and stages and weird shit going on. So, like, I know Melee is like the gold standard, but... I remember when Brawl came out, I reviewed it and gave it like a 9.9. I was like, yeah, it's obviously the best Smash Brothers. Yeah. Which I know Smash Brothers, like hardcore people, that's heresy. Right, right. I also, um, Braid was that year, yeah. which was really important to me. Uh, I liked Mirror's Edge a lot. Um, Boom Blocks was a lot of fun that year. Hell yeah. And then also, I I feel like I, I end up kind of being a, a frequent defender of this game, but I really adore Prince of Persia 2008. I love yeah. that game, but it's yep. one that people kind of look down on in the larger Prince of Persia trilogy, but I, I think it's fantastic. I thought it was so disappointing that they went to that weird Jake Gyllenhaal one for the next one, yeah. because I, I loved 08. Yeah, that game's so good. Yeah. So what was your number one, Kyle? Uh, GTA 4, which oh, is that's right. my favorite GTA. Uh, favorite yeah. story, just at like the jump from San Andreas to that game was incredible. Adding a like genuine physics to that game just like was incredible. Like, yeah, and then all the DLC, too, the way that, like, I, which I loved about the DLC, and I'm kind of bummed that they don't continue to do this, is it's, it's like, you get to see different stories taking place at the same time in other parts of the city, and, like, I, I love that about, like, re- going back into that Liberty City and seeing things that were happening while uh, Nico was doing things, like, I love that game. I, I think yeah. it's their best, Grand, I think it's Rockstar's, like, best Grand Theft Auto, like, pretty easily, actually. The setup of that heist, you know, the first time you play that mission, it's, like, a cool mission, but you don't understand, like, how crucial it is going to be to the overall experience after you play, uh, uh, what was it, like, the Ballad of Gay Tony, and what was it, Lost and Damned, I think, yeah. Yeah. how those characters intercede with that moment, I thought was a really cool act of uh, foresight on their part to say, like, well, this is how this character comes to it. Um, yeah, yeah. Hey, 2008, not so shabby. That's right. Thank you, Serial. Hey, 2009. 2009. <laughs> Look at this one. Uh, all right, 2009. Jeff, what do you got? Number one. Uh, man. I don't know that I ordered ordered this one. I, I just wrote down a, a ton of incredible games, but I guess number one would, i probably still say Borderlands. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, interesting. That's right. Yeah, we, we did that uh, Borderlands 2 cover story trip together with... Uh, with yeah, that's three, yeah. Yep, yeah. and th- and this was you know the original Borderlands was the did I play it with you, Dan? I that was one of my first reviews when I got hired at Game Informer. Yeah, and I, I remember getting yeah. it from the office to play. I think it was you. 
Yeah, I, I think we played through the entire thing, and then I played through all of the DLC with Brian and Cork. And right. was that? Did you also play? With I did some. Okay. There was the General Knox and everything. I remember you guys were playing it like a lot, and I would hop in on occasion. I remember. Yeah. Oh, and and Ross, friend of the show. Oh, yeah. so, Ross, Star Wars guy, fun. Yeah. The idea of in you know another open world rpg kind of game but with shooting mechanics that were actually fun because follow three didn't manage to do that you know but then but then just the procedurally generated guns was kind of one of the first times that i saw procedurally generated content that actually worked really well yeah and felt felt really good in that that continual loop you know I, i mean i guess there's like diablo 3 and stuff like that but Right, right. But for a shooter, you, you you didn't get that kind of stuff with a first-person shooter. Yeah. And so it was cool to see that kind of get injected into that formula. Remember when we recorded that video uh, outside By the, the pool? pool? Yeah. Oh, yeah. For the Borderlands 2 mm-hmm. coverage, which was a confusing video because it was us just talking about Borderlands 1 and how much we were looking forward to Borderlands 2 before we visited the studio. <laughs> You're the video guy. Why did I do that? I thought it was just cool. You were, always, you were always the thing where it's like, oh, wouldn't it be weird if we just talked about a game by a pool? Or what if you ate a sandwich while you talked about a game? I think that was one of the pitches is we wanted to like talk about Borderlands 2 while eating tacos at lunch with Randy Pitchford. Oh, right. Is that the trip where he was teaching us how to ride a Segway? I think. Jeff, do you remember that? And he had his magic car? Yeah, I think that was it. Yeah, I think that was yeah. the Segway trip then. Yeah, where... I remember a Segway. And again, Dan, yeah. you know, say what you will about that guy. He's a passionate dude, and he's passionate about games, and he's passionate about riding Segways. Dude, that first Borderlands, uh, I had an E3 appointment, uh, and I not heard of Borderlands outside. I think it was on the cover of Game Informer before I started with yeah. the old art style. And I was like, I don't know what this game is, and I went into the demo, and he was leading it, and he was so passionate and and i mean it, it helped that the game looked really fun and everything but like i was so fucking sold on that from his presentation uh, the rabbit coming out of the hat was amazing like just a good time wait rabbit coming out of a hat he's a magician you see oh uh, i see <laughs> not a great joke <laughs> it's confusing actually um dan what do you think about this idea do you remember that um borderlands 3 reveal event uh, no. There was a stream that just went off the rails. Randy Pitchford I did, heard like, about it. I never saw it. Didn't he like try to do card tricks or something? It is unbelievable. It's just a roller coaster of humanity. And I think I'm going to adapt it into a min-max theatrical production. I think that I want to like put a, funny on idea. a stage version of the Borderlands 3 reveal because it's got everything. It'll be like I will. Wa- I'll watch your reproduction thing. of it. I've not seen the original, but I don't think I need you to appreciate <laughs> okay, this. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. I'll be working on that as a side project. Um, Which so, one of you is Pitchford? Be careful here. Mm, let's see. Well, Kyle, Kyle, I've seen your uh, browser history. It seems like you're right up his alley. Oh, okay. yeah, I do watch a lot of stuff for research and then put it on flash drives. <laughs> cool. Uh, a lot of magic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of magic. Ma- uh, magic, yes. Yes, magic. Yes, That's love magic. Yeah. Serial Vasquez, 2009. Uh, I Probably Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. Uh, since I, I think it just did everything that the first Modern Warfare did. Like, they just... They blew it out like in such a like a smart way. It wasn't. It didn't just feel like they were adding a bunch of stuff because they felt the need to do it. Like I think that Spec Ops mode is is really underrated and mm, one of the like yeah. probably one of the best things about it. Uh, and even like the campaign, I think they they do what they needed to do is to up the stakes and like make it this really crazy wild ride in a way that you you almost can't really compare it to the first game because like even though like Modern Warfare One isn't like a hyper realistic game, like compared to two, it's just like they're going for something very different and they pull it off just as well. And then all the stuff they added to multiplayer all felt like really 
uh, like additive in a way that felt substantial and not just like, well, instead of like 30 guns, you have 50 guns and you know, yeah, all, all of the stuff they did and all the maps and stuff, I think were, were like in every way, just this really strong iterative step. And then yeah. uh, Resident Evil 5, which I still think oh, is, yeah. a, is a really great game. I think yeah. that game also gets a lot of crap for not being four and for not being like a horror game. But like once you realize it's not a horror game, I think it, it's w one of my favorite co-op games ever. And like the, the replayability on that game, just like going back through that campaign over and over to get different items and stuff, I think is, is amazing. Um, and then Assassin's Creed 2, which I really liked. Uh, and then Silent Hill Shattered Memories, which I didn't play in 2009, but I played it a few years after that. And I think is, is a, actually like a really great game. Um, yeah. But that's beautiful. And then Punch one. Yeah, yeah, that's where we won. Yeah. And then Punch right. Out We also, I think it's fantastic. Dude, I'm playing through Punch Out We. I, I played it and loved it back when it came out. I never beat Donkey Kong, did the crazy like champion mm -hmm. circuit thing. But I've been streaming uh, Punch Out We lately with like just normal controls. Yeah. It's like every bit as good, if not better, than like the first Punch Out, which I think is one of the absolute best games of all time. Like Punch Out We is incredible. Yeah, that, that that champion circuit is also cool because it, it makes you like, oh, Glass Joe is actually kind of a problem now, and like yeah. the way those those different fighters kind of change up their techniques so that you can't like do the same, you, you can't employ the same strategies, you know, like the way that uh, uh, King Hibo has like this like belt on him that you have to knock off before you can hit his stomach. It's like a manhole um, cover that he taped to his stomach, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so you have, you have to like punch him certain ways to like start ripping the tape off before you can actually punch him. I think it's really cool. Yeah, and then like that Donkey Kong moment is really cool because it's it doesn't feel like you you're like it feels like you're fighting him in good faith. It doesn't feel like oh I need to destroy Don I need to beat up Donkey Kong. It feels like you guys are having like a fun fight because he feels like he's enjoying it so much. So <laughs> I, I think they could destroy Donkey Kong. Yeah, but after yeah. that weird like cremation though, it's yeah, kind of that's down. I mean, I I really at the end there, yeah, maybe they they kind of botch it. And then yeah, Street Fighter Four. Oh yeah. You know, a uh, uh, tour de force in, in a way. A few games kind of war for their individual scenes. Yeah. Um, a lot of other, a lot of other games also. Dan, number one, Arkham Asylum. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Christ, just a killer, killer game. And like coming in with like, I'd seen the Batman movies. I like the Batman movies. He seems like probably the, the coolest comic book character from what I've seen, but I just don't know anything about comics. Yeah. And I was so wrapped up in that world, the presentation, the weird like Metroid elements, which I super didn't expect. Um, I, the challenge rooms, even like the combat, like obviously the combat was, you know, replicated to this day, basically. But uh, I remember getting a thousand achievement points on that in 360 and being bummed because I just wanted to keep playing it. So I got the Steam version, which tied to games for Windows. And I was like, I could get another thousand. Let me just do that all again. Like, it is such a great, great game. I, I'm curious, going back to it now, did they ever put that out on current consoles? Yeah, they did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I'd almost be curious to play that again. Is it I guess on? We're gonna see the PC version. Yeah, is it on Switch? I don't no, think it should be. Okay, I don't think so. Uh, it's, it, it, but it's not, frankly. Yeah, I, I like City and Night. Uh, I think those are both good games. I never really messed with Origins much, um, but nothing really touched the original for me. Yeah, Kyle, I yeah, think I mean, we should expectations uh... going into that game too. Like, I was so sure. It's like this sounds great. I read the Game Informer cover story, um, and I was like, this sounds awesome, but they've never made an, a good Batman game and they're not going to. And that's too bad because this sounds great. And I remember getting the issue that had Reiner's review in it and he gave it like a nine. And I was like, my hype just like went through the roof because I was like, oh my gosh, are we going to get a good Batman game? Because like, unlike Dan, like I was like a big Batman guy, like love Batman, read a bunch of the comics, you know. And uh, yeah, I just I, I think that game would be great even 
without Batman. Like, I think it is a just a well-designed game with super awesome combat. Yeah. But, like, having it feature one of my, I mean, not one of, but my favorite comic book character, period, just, like, elevated it to a whole new level. I adore that game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we should do it as a game club in the future, Kyle. Yeah. At some point, maybe when another Batman game gets announced, it'll be good timing for it. Uh, my number one for 2009 is uh, Beatles Rock Band. Mm. Uh, a game that's on my I short list, yeah. Adore. Yeah, that was, that was on my short list. And then uh, behind that, Scribble Knots also came out in 2009. I really love Scribble Knots. In terms of a game that just captured your imagination, it's like, oh, I've yeah. never seen this as a game. Let's try and push the boundaries of this thing. It was so much fun. I remember yeah, that E3, like, I kept wanting to go back to that booth and just be like, I wonder if I typed this in, if they would yeah. have it. And I just found myself continually going back to that. Yeah, I remember there was an E3 tour video with Jeff Gersman and Tim Schafer, which I should go back and watch that again because that was really awesome. But I remember it was the two of them wandering the E3 show floor, and then they went over to the Scribblenauts booth, and they're like, oh, guess this. Oh, can you do this? Can you do this? And then at the end of it, Tim Schafer's like, hey, what are the odds there's somebody hiding under this table that's just writing down all the suggestions that we're saying? It's like, yeah, that's how the game should work. It's just like, how wacky can we be? And the game will account for that. It normally did. Uh, also, Plants vs. Zombies, 2009. Yeah. Uh, Assassin's Creed 2, Dragon Age Origins, Left 4 Dead 2, Jeff. Um, uh, yeah, that was on my short list. There we go. DJ yeah, Hero, same. Infamous, uh, Halo Wars, if you're nasty. Uh, let's see. Uh, and ODST, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. ODST. Yep. Uh, Uncharted Two. I don't know. If oh my really? god! Of that course. was nine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jeez. Yep. Yep. That'd be a real uh, contender for number one for me if if I known that. And then uh, one of my personal guilty pleasures is Red Faction Guerrilla. Yeah. That, that yeah. is still one of those games that I wish they would bring back and do a proper sequel on like Armageddon, which kind of which was like hey, let's go underground and make smaller environments it's yeah. not what people liked about that last one at all yeah. but i remember you know talking to them uh when we went there for the saints row 3 cover story trip dan and the takeaway mm-hmm. was just like yeah that game's awesome but it also took what like seven years or something absurd for volition like a very tech oriented studio to develop it was just soul crushing is that realistic thing of we can't make more of these games <laughs> like we can't keep upgrading this tech it's just too intense so let's try and and that's why it. it's still amazing even today mm-hmm. yeah it's a cool one well you can play the remastered edition that's still out there yeah. for you yeah yeah i did guess you, so did you mention infamous on your rundown mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah infamous yeah. bandana ghostbusters okay. that, that was honestly like my number two like oh, i really? really adore infamous and shadow yep. complex i think yep. was that year as well which is like to this day anytime chair announces anything i just get bummed that it's not shadow complex too like yeah it was so cool to have like them off down this path where they weren't making Shadow Complex, and now Fortnite has sent them off down this path no, where they're no. not making Shadow Complex. <laughs> well, I, I thought it was so cool back then because like Metroidvania is you know a few years after uh, the 2010s here or the this year, um, you start to see Metroidvanias all over the place on Steam, and it's just now they're just you're just lousy with uh, Metroidvanias. But back then it was a novelty, and also for it to be set in like a modern setting with like guns and spies and stuff, it just felt so unique back then. Like I, I yeah. adored that. Game. Game. And also, it looked, uh, it, definitely, it looked at Metroid like more than Castlevania. Like they didn't, because oh, yeah. everyone was trying to find that middle ground, and they're like, no, 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 we're we're falling all the way on Metroid for this one, and it worked out really yeah. well. Dan, did, did you ever play Metal Gear Solid Touch, the iOS game? That was uh, kind of based on four, wasn't yeah, it? Like repurposed four's assets. Yeah, it was such a mess. I think yeah, I it's on my short list. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. It's like a shooting gallery thing, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah enemies pop up and you touch them and they die. Yeah, they were trying exactly that with it. everything back then. I think they tried like a Resident Evil that way. Yeah, there's also a Resident Evil iOS game. 
That's so bizarre. Um, uh, make sure we mention Bayonetta for 09 as well. Oh, I guess. Yeah, let's see. Um, Resident Evil 5, we mentioned New Super Mario Brothers. We Bayonetta came out this year, um, which is interesting. Yeah. Any other suggestions? And, uh, brutal, brutal Legend. That's yeah. true. I, that's the reason I bought a PS3. That's the reason I finally entered this generation in 2009. Was that's so Brutal weird? Legend. Yeah, it was. It was weird. I, I guess no. It's weird that it is, no. It's weird that that's the game that made you buy a PS3. <laughs> no, I know like the game. Sure, it's kind of weird, but that, that's very weird that you bought a console. No, I agree. For that day. I agree. You know, it was just building tension. I think it was like being in college and have that much time. Apparently, um, I was too busy playing on my DS, and then also. Uh, it was like the rise of listening to One Up's podcast and the One Up show. So there's a weird part of me where it's like, I, I feel like I can stay current with games just from podcasts and stuff like that. And I missed out on so much. I regret it now in retrospect. Um, are we all in the camp that 2001 is the best year here? I think no, so. I would say 05 is probably my favorite. 05. Mm-hmm. You think about the impact though. just of GTA 3, Metal Gear Solid 2, and Eco. And then you throw in like Smash. I mean, Halo. I mean, I think 2001 is unassailable. Oh, the most impactful. Like, uh, my favorite year is five. But uh, if you want to go by like overall impact on the industry, maybe 2001 is up there. Yeah. In, in terms of personal favorite, 01 is my favorite of all time. Yeah. Jeff, um? Well, no, because I was the I was the Xbox guy at That's that point, right. and I didn't get any of those PS2 games until you know 2002 or whatever. What a but. schlub. That's not important. Uh, You know, I like 2006 a lot, too. You got Twilight Princess, Oblivion, Okami, Guitar Hero 2. That was a big year for me, like in terms of personal years. Over 2001? Um, Yeah, I guess I got to go 2001 between Metal Gear Solid 2 and Halo 1. Yeah. Those were huge for me. Okay, so trying to figure out what the game of the decade is, the best way I can figure is like, you know, we take all of our passion and excitement for the game, and if that was like a liquid and you poured it in, then everybody, you add the liquids together, and then which container has the most liquid? Do you know what I mean? Uh, go. Do it. Well, something <laughs> like this. The communal passion. That's what we're trying to uh, measure here's here, Here's my right? Mario Galaxy liquid, I guess. Here you go. <laughs> Does Mario Galaxy's liquid top Metal Gear Solid 2? I would imagine no, that's... No, I don't think it does for me, but they're pretty close. I think Metal I, Gear uh, Solid 2 might be my favorite of everything we've talked about. I would today. take two over Galaxy. I have very little, uh, if we're talking talking metaphors, I have very little Metal Gear Solid 2 juice, and I have a lot of Galaxy juice. Yeah, I'm it. surprised looking at this on my top 100. Uh, number six of all time is Metal Gear Solid 3, and then Metal Gear Solid 2 is 7, and Galaxy is number 23. Oh, wow, and that is wow. very scientific. Hey, if we want to go for Metal Gear Solid 3, I will totally back that. <laughs> I've got the most juice in this Snake Eater vial. All right, let's do it. Let's Wait, combine Kyle, these liquids. Kyle, where's your liquid at? <laughs> two or three? For uh, between those two games, well, yeah. he's only in the arm and two. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah. true. Yeah, whereas um, you get oh, you get a hundred percent of that of uh, Revolver Ocelot, which is the character that matters. Let's say. <laughs> that tail game we talked about earlier is that does that come into a factor at all? I don't know. But seriously, do you like two or three more for Metal Gear? Oh, I like two more. It's, it's too. not much of a question for me. Two. I even I half joked years ago that it was like the most important piece of entertainment media ever made it was like the best remember the hamilton is hamilton the best art ever made <laughs> yeah i said i said metal gear solid 2 and wasn't entirely joking like the end of that game left more of a lasting impact on me than most media that i've witnessed or experienced yeah and in what way i genuinely felt like my world was collapsing around me <laughs> like, just, it was like just the, the way, stuff the way that like raiden's world it, it suddenly 
becomes virtual and everything that he trusted through the course of that game becomes animatronic and fake. Yeah. And just trying to navigate what that means. Also, I'm naked. Like, it just, I I couldn't take it. Like, when the colonel calls you and he's like a, a messed up AI robot that can't talk straight, like, yeah. it was terrifying. It was, like, genuinely scary. And the fact that it all takes place inside of a virtual medium of the video game, like, genuinely blew my mind. Like, it was, it was really, not much has, like really impressed me the way the end of Metal Gear Solid 2 has in terms of media in general. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you on that. And in that, I think the, the ending of that game is completely bananas and just like in, in all the right ways that I don't think he's actually been able to match since then. I think basically the, the hours before that, I don't, I don't think con- are as consistently as good as uh, like a lot of the other Metal Gear games. I think 3 is the most consistently good throughout. Yes. And it's like one of the few games that's actually made me cry. Like it, that ending is legitimately like soulful in a way that Kojima hasn't been able to figure out how to do since or or before like the 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 thing about dying for your country and like being dedicated to the mission and big boss's relationship with the boss is like one of the most complex relationships in a a game like up until you know even now I think but uh and I think I think the boss roster I think is probably stronger in three personally um but yeah well, the thing about two is it's very easy to remember that, like you know, the demo, the tanker, and right. like all the the gameplay improvements, the shooting in first person, the the little details, the ice melting, and all that stuff. That stuff is mind blowing in a way that I've never seen in the game. And then the end, you know, for all the same reasons Kyle just said, one of the most impressive things I've ever seen in the video game. So it's easy to remember those and to not count in the fact that, like, well, the big shell is not the most intriguing area. You know, it's not Shadow Moses. It's not the jungle. Um, and a large part of the game takes place in Big Shell. And, like, there's great stuff that happens there for sure, but it's kind of a boring environment. And I think that's the thing that puts three above it for me is that I, I think it varies things up enough. You talk and about, and yeah. the stuff about the bosses and, and the ending and everything. I like, think, yes, yeah. three no doubt has a better story, better storytelling overall. I just think two is so much more interesting and still fun. And on the bosses thing... Like, the end is so memorable that that's bringing it up a little bit. But in terms of, like, pound-for-pound bosses, I think I would take twos over threes. I I would take threes. There's, I think the, you forget that even beyond, like, the, uh, all the, like, the emotions, uh, there's also the fight with Roller Ocelot. Uh, there's the fight with his unit. There's a fight with him uh, where you're trying to shoot each other near the mountains. Yeah. Um, and the, I think the environmental for bees. I, did, yeah. the, I remember the fear the shag- of hot kind of being, I love the Shagohot yeah, chase. The shag- yeah, the Shagohot chase. There's the pain who's like, or uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, the guy who's in the trees, basically. I think the he's, fear. A, he's yeah. a pretty solid fight. The fear, uh, yeah. Yeah, and like even the environmental. That's another fight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think, like, you know, strut A in the picture looks like strut B, looks like strut C, and you're doing a lot of, like, I well, I got to get into this conveyor belt and go into this one, and it can be, get a little confusing, whereas three, you're, like, in a different forest, now you're in a compound, now you're, like, yeah. coming down the sewers, and there's, like, the there's like the motorcycle stuff, and then there's the, the segment with Ava. Like, yeah. the, I, there's a lot more set piece, like, well-built set piece design. No doubt. But at the same time, going back and remembering what it was actually like to play it, I mean, I haven't played it since subsistence came out so i need to go back for sure but i just remember so much of that game being like okay now i'm gonna pluck the leeches off me just like the yep. main like the menu maintenance level in Metal Gear solid 3 drove me insane 
I don't it's the weakest part of the game. Yeah, I, I don't think it's as bad as maybe I maybe I remember it a little more fondly. But like I remember it, it was like every once in a while you had to go into a menu and kind of click a few things and then and then you were back into it. Like I never felt like I was like, oh, for like this entire 30 minute segment, I'm just like suffering through like having slugs on me because I can't do anything about it. I feel like supplies were always plentiful enough that like as soon as I saw the warning of like, oh, you're hungry or like, oh, you've like you have you have it. You have an injury. I was immediately able to just like patch myself up and then get back into it. Uh, and then, like the, the I like I did like the camouflage stuff of like, oh, yeah. I'm wearing red, so obviously I'm not going to be able to hide in the in like the grass because uh, I was just in a military compound where they wanted me to wear flashier colors. But now that I'm outside again, I should wear something that's a little more appropriate. But yeah, I mean, is there anything that's going to top Metal Gear for this list? Metal I mean, Gear I was honestly it? expecting like Shadow of the Colossus to come away with it, maybe Mario Galaxy. Those real and like I, I guess Bioshock yeah. were the ones that I thought were going to be the consensus picks. Trying it's to GTA three Colossus Metal Gear Galaxy for sure. Sorry, Jeff, go ahead. It's GTA three. <laughs> See you guys. That's a tough one because we all love GTA three. I'm guessing if you measured our current passion right now, we probably have more passion for Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah. I, I have no interest in ever revisiting three again. It just felt like yeah. such an important. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thanks for joining time. us. Oh, his audio is broken too, so it'll be fun for this discussion. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, like I, I don't th- like I think those early GTA games are like really monumental in terms of their design. I think Wolf Hobbs just dropped out of the call. Uh, but I, I, yeah, I, I guess I don't have that much of an interest in ever like really revisiting those games. Just because right. I, I, I feel like there are few games that have aged as quickly as those games to me. Okay, I mean, are we at Metal Gear Solid two or three? Is that where we're at? Sorry, Jeff, your mic isn't working. I would love to include you in this conversation, but it's just not happening. No, no, do do Super Mario Galaxy then. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, it's tough because we're like, I know we're pushing you into a corner a little bit, Jeff, and because you're not a big Metal Gear guy just in ge- in general, right? Like, you haven't really gotten into any of them in a big way. I mean, and it's I played, like, I played the second one. But. Yeah, it's a tough thing to think about, like, which game would you most want to go back and play right now? It's probably Galaxy. I'm shocked. I have seven games from this decade above Mario Galaxy on my list. <laughs> Damn. I mean, it's not the I, okay. Old Testament. <laughs> we can't. It's definitive. Oh, I'm, I'm very curious to read the room on uh, on Resident Evil 4, actually. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, I replayed um, that in the last year, and it's still so good. Me too. Like, that was yeah. the 39th best game of all time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think there's a lot of love. I think I would imagine that Galaxy Love and Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3 Love is okay. above it. I mean, me for me, it's Metal Gear Solid 2, 3. Like, I would be good with either of those. I Don't think we, say you know, that, Kyle! We're supposed to be a then, fortress over here! <laughs> what's that? We're supposed to be a no, no, fortress! No, 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 keep going, keep it going. It needs guy. to be, too! Don't worry, and then, don't worry and I would, Galaxy and Shadow of the Colossus and RE4 is kind of like my order. Yeah, I'm I with think. you. Kyle, I wonder if Galaxy so 2 didn't exist if I would be pushing harder for Galaxy 1. Maybe. Because I feel I, like Galaxy 2 did everything yeah. just a little bit better, but it mm. came out in like 2010. Yeah. Um, you know what? You know what might be a clincher here? If we're looking at combining our lists in a way, I mean, I didn't have Metal Gear Solid 2 as my number one, and I'm the biggest offender here, and you guys all had Metal Gear Solid 3 as your number one for 2004? Or yeah. Oh yeah. And I think five, wait, didn't someone you had it, Halo it, two above it, but Metal Gear Solid 3 was a close second. Yeah. Didn't someone have it in their two thousand six list? 
I did, I did. yeah. Was, oh, oh, okay. So we can add that in as well. <laughs> that snaps no, in. Assistance. I mean, is it just Metal Gear Solid 3? That's the best game of the decade? I think so. I, think so. I, I feel bad for Fava, because it doesn't feel like he has a real strong horse in this race. But Well, look, it's, it's his fault for I not mean, playing the best game of the decade. All right, Fava, how about Mercenaries? <laughs> there you go. All right, we got it. Honestly, Ring the bell. As, as like... A, a, a weird like positive thing to say about Metal Gear Solid 3 is yeah. like I would 100% recommend playing it today like it's not mm. a game that's like oh it's good at the time it's like if you get the backwards compatible 360 version of Metal Gear Solid 3 like I played it in the HD version when it came out and ended up liking it way more that second playthrough than I did when it originally released so like it's a game that you could definitely go back to and still have a great time with you know yeah God, I should go back and play that 3DS version. I never checked that out. It's such a oh, weird anomaly in the industry, isn't it? Uh, if if you weird. don't like frame rate, then yeah, go for it. Not a fan. <laughs> if, if you like Yoshi more than you like good frame rates, <laughs> that's right. the game for you because you can shoot the the Yoshis instead of the little uh, Karotan. Oh, statues. is that what it is? Oh, that's yeah. super fun. Yeah. I forgot all Didn't about that. the HD version or the HD collection of Metal Gear Solid 3 not have the poop nightmare? Oh, uh, the, yeah, there was... Right. There were, yeah, there was also that, I think there was the time where Snake falls asleep and you play like a totally different game that ended yeah, up never yeah. coming out. But then if you call Sigint afterwards, he talks yeah. about the poop tanks. And so I think without the nightmare, I don't think you get the poop tanks. So maybe it's two. <laughs> oh, hey, now we're talking. No, no, it's now three. It's, like, it's three. Yeah. Yeah. All right, congratulations. With, with, with an honorary hat tip, that Killer7 is the greatest game of all time. Thank you. Great all game. right, well, <laughs> you set a piece. Metal Gear Solid 3, congratulations <laughs> for being the greatest game of the decade, according to MinMax. And that's very definitive, and that will stand for all time. Uh, you guys want to move on? Let's do it. Great. Dan, do you know how this whole thing operates, the whole MinMax thing? In terms of what? How? Uh, what's keeping us afloat? It's Patreon. Hey, right? there we go. Patreon. Yeah, yeah. MinMax, two ends. A bunch of very generous people. Um, oh, we're on the air? Yes, Dan, we're live as <laughs> well. We, you got to give a man a countdown here. <laughs> no, look, I'm not some professional podcast producer, Dan. Uh, yes, thanks to everybody's support. Uh, we launched an interview show not too long ago, and this week uh, we... Uh, Posted a new interview with Drew McCoy and John Shiring, who left Respawn and EA to form a new studio called Gravity Well. So you can check that out on our YouTube channel, or if you support us at the $5 tier, then you get access to the podcast, Patreon-exclusive podcast feed. Um, and so it's an interesting interview if you're interested in the development of Titanfall 1 and 2, uh, Apex Legends. Like Drew tells a story of going to EA and having to pitch Apex Legends. You would think that EA would be very on board with that, but it's kind of makes it seem like it was pulling teeth just to make that game happen because EA was not convinced that a free-to-play Battle Royale was a good future for them, which is mind-boggling, so it's a very interesting interview overall. Also, uh, this week, wanted to let folks know that a new episode of Mintracks, which is our music podcast hosted by Matt Helgeson, is going up, and it's the first special edition, so it's going to be all focused on one band, and it's going to be Kraftwerk. So we have Jeff Green from uh, video game journalism fame, CGW and stuff going back all the way there. Uh, so he's going to join Matt Helgeson to talk about Kraftwerk and kind of the origins of electronic music. Suriel, have you ever listened to Kraftwerk? No, I haven't. I'm actually kind of... I, I like getting these lowdowns on things. Like, I've been listening to a lot of the Blank Check podcast specifically for that reason. You know, Blank Check, friends of the show. But uh, I like having... Like, be, being able to watch or read a piece of media and then have, like... Well, here's, like, a lot of context for it. I think is a really cool thing. So I like, I'm, I'm kind of probably going to check out like some craft work 
and then listen to that podcast just to get a better understanding of like, why is this, you know, culturally relevant, this thing that I've never heard of. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you can check that out in its own standalone podcast feed. But thank you to Captain Stubbs one. He says, uh, hello, MinMaxers. I'm very happy to sponsor MinMax, my favorite video game voices on the internet. First, everyone, please check out my not family-friendly gaming YouTube channel, Captain Stubbs one Also, I'd like to take the opportunity to give a PSA. Please, everyone, if you need locksmith services, go to aloa.com, the Associated Locksmiths of America, to find a reputable local locksmith, as scammers are an industry problem. You see, Dan, uh, Captain Stubbs one is a very generous person, and... He, I told him he has a plug on the podcast and he wanted to let people know that there's a lot of scam locksmiths out there. That's a good thing to know. Isn't you that very sweet? Scammed. Yeah. He says, and finally, a little bit of getting better. Uh, here's some uh, guidelines that I've found helpful for myself. Uh, before, he has said that, you know what? You should treat yourself like someone you were responsible for helping, which is very helpful. <clears throat> uh, excuse me. <clears throat> then he says... Compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to who someone else is today. And then this week, his little life advice here is he says, pursue what is meaningful, not what is expedient. All right. Thanks, Captain Stubbs. One appreciate it. Also, Michael Moran supporter. He says, hey, List Wars is a podcast about ranking things from Disney songs to zoo animals. Each episode, we pick a different topic to rank and debate and cannot legally end the show until we've agreed on a communal list. On our most recent episode, you can hear us argue about the top five best movies with a score under 30% on Rotten Tomatoes. That does sound very fun. Uh, List Wars is available on all the usual podcast providers, and we try to post episodes every other week. We love you, MinMax. Thanks for checking out our podcast. I'm Ben Hansen, and I'm bad at golf and StarCraft. Thank you, Michael Moran. We tried playing golf with your friends this week with him, and he uh, kicked our ass. Also, uh, thanks to I Am 8-Bit for being a big supporter of MinMax. They want to let folks know that Creature in the Well, that top-down pinball hack-and-slash game, uh, that they are releasing a physical version of it on Switch and PS4 and it's a limited edition. It's only, they only made 2,000 so you can check it out at im8bit.com, check out their store and you can use the promo code MINMAX to get 10% off whatever you check out there. So, every week Dan people leave us questions, comments words of wisdom, whatever makes the show better and then we choose our absolute number one favorite and then im8bit because they're so generous uh, they ship something out to this person. Uh, and this week let's see. It's going to be Oh my God. The soundtrack to The Messenger on vinyl, which, hmm. surreal, this has a great it's soundtrack, a good, doesn't it? It is a really good soundtrack, yeah. Oh, awesome. It is a heavy duty vinyl soundtrack. So, again, if you want to win something, you can support us on Patreon and then leave a question and you have a chance to win here. But. So, wait, we have to decide the best question? Do I have to keep right. track of this? Okay. Dan, All right. remember every question submitted by the community, please. Oh, geez. Okay, let's do it. Okay. Oh, well, first of all, just to follow up on last week, uh, Last week, somebody wrote in talking about them celebrating their golden birthday. And because it was live, mm -hmm. people in the chat immediately chimed in, confused about what a golden birthday is. Yeah. It seems like a lot of you were confused about it. Dan, you seemed flummoxed by this. Well, I assumed it was a Minnesota thing because, like, wait, we got a lot of Minnesota people here. Are, do you all know? Does the whole MinMax squad know what this thing is? Not until last week. Only half of us are Minnesota people. Yeah, you? so Jeff and I knew Oh, about I guess it. you moved there. Yeah, like, yeah, I did that too. Right, okay. Oh. So wait, so the you're two guys, a Minnesota person. I wish. I uh, got the two guys that were from Minnesota know it, right? Yes. Okay. Well, then there's your answer. And I think I've no, heard Tim. 
But some other people who knew it were from California. Which it is, is a little bit all over. So it's that confusing thing of, is it spreading from the Midwest out? Some people learned about it in Wisconsin, uh, the Dakotas. And so trying to track this thing is bizarre. But I put up a poll, just said, "Have you are you familiar with the concept of a golden birthday? 70% said no, which is, nah. you know, people talk about the Berenstein Bears thing and alternate dimensions. This is my greatest example of that, where it is blowing my mind. This is like a core concept since I was a baby, and the idea that apparently 70% of people aren't familiar with the golden birthday is insane to me. I think I remember Tim Turry asking me to like record a message for a uh, for a golden birthday, and I remember being like, what the f*** is that? And he explained it, and I remember being confused, and then I had not thought of it again until you, you texted about that. And yeah, I have no idea what that is. Do, do, have you lived your life based on the idea of a golden birthday, Hanson? Is that... Do you feel like yeah. well, I you had are mine, somehow no longer yourself? Yeah, I had mine when I was 15, and it's all downhill since then. So you only get <laughs> now, one? But isn't this now a way to realize that maybe your life could be better from here on out? I don't think so, man. Now you're, think, free, you're free from the concept of a golden birthday? Hang on, Dan. Do you, if you only get one? Yes. Are you Billy Pilgrim? What are you talking about? Do you know what it is? Dan still doesn't understand what a golden birthday is. Billy Pilgrim. <laughs> you're saying a lot of things I don't know what you're talking Billy about. Billy Pilgrim, the inventor of the golden birthday. No, oh so, boy, I have no idea what's going on. Golden birthday, Dan. Like my birthday is April fifteenth, so my golden birthday was when I turned fifteen. That's how that works. That's, that's stupid. No, it's like a super birthday. What's not fun about a super birthday? That you seems get like more something. Presents? Yes, it seems like something you'd be very into. Oh. Well, yeah. If I got so mine would be on the sixth when I was sixteen. Yeah, I would have liked more presents on that birthday. Can you ask your mom? See if she's familiar with. There's this no way she knows. Would've. It would have been brought up at some point in my life if yeah. that was a thing in Kansas. Anyways, Victor Pham wrote in. Um, he says, does a game need to be revolutionary in order to be considered one of the greatest games of all time? I would argue no. that gameplay-wise, The Last of Us doesn't do anything innovative in the third-person action stealth genre, um, and yet it's lauded based solely on the strength of its narrative. Is telling a good story enough? It doesn't have to be revolutionary. I mean, look at... Uh... Super Metroid and Link to the Past. Those are just games that made much better versions of what came before. And Yeah. Or even like yeah. you could consider most of Blizzard's games, right? Maybe WoW is pretty revolutionary, I guess. But yeah, just really strong iterations. I mean, EverQuest was before WoW, so. Yeah, I know. But yeah. still, in terms of like the leaps of all the genres they took, I think that might be sure. the biggest, but. I mean, I, it's, I like, think... it's kind of a, that personal thing. Like I definitely weigh innovation pretty heavily. You know, when it comes to considering that kind of stuff, but yeah, I, th I think I don't. I don't think it's a requirement by any means. You know, a great game is a great game. It doesn't hurt. Like the best game of all time is Breath of the Wild, and that is extremely revolutionary. So I don't think it hurts your case. It's true. Which reminds yeah, me. Oh yeah, sir. Oh, go ahead. No, I also think that you know, revolutionary often means like bringing concepts that were obscure to a lot of people and then bringing them over to like a larger audience. So like, wow, was revolutionary not because like. It invented the MMO, but because it made a lot of those concepts more uh, like a appeasing to like regular people. And I think there is like a, a benefit to that iteration of making a concept that is like, you know, uh, a lot of what Breath of the Wild trades in is kind of like that mystery that was in the original Zelda, but it made it more like it was like an iterative version of like, oh, it's like of piquing your natural curiosity. Right. So, yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to be like, a, here's a new concept that no one's ever heard before. Right. Uh, Grimfeather writes and he says, what's on Kyle's wish list for the sequel to Breath of the Wild? Man, I, that, you know, that's a tough question because it's like the thing that I want more than anything else is just to be surprised again. You know what yeah. I mean? Like the thing that I want from that game is to like 
play it and be like, wow, I never thought of this. This is incredible. You know? So like little surprises or are you talking about just like in terms of the marketing? I don't care about the marketing. No, no, like, no. I but mean, I'm, t- like, I'm talking about like, do you want to be like, oh, the game is about this or do you just want those, the beauty of Breath of the Wild of just the little points of discovery along the way? I mean, I guess I want it both ways. Yeah. Like I want everything I loved about Breath of the Wild and I also want to be surprised by new mechanics and new story revelations and things like that. Like my my list of things is just like surprise me. Is kind yeah. of what I want from it, you know. I mean, the biggest bummer would be if it's like the same map and like you know, because that was the thing is not knowing what came over every hill or what happens if I can can I climb all the way around this thing? Oh, there's a shrine there. Like yeah. th- that discovery, and if it's the same map, that's going to be a big bummer. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Sylvia from Easygoing Gaming. He says, with the next gen consoles supposedly being much easier to create games for than the previous generations, could you see the AA games taking over the next generation? I know this is kind of a broad question, but I would love to know. I'd love to see a generation where we're given extremely polished passion projects on a regular basis. The idea of that being a possibility is really cool to me. Uh, I'm a little skeptical about that messaging about Unreal Engine 5 not being a developer. I know nothing, of course, but just that idea that like, oh, it's going to be so much easier to make games this time. I feel like we've heard that so many times before, and I'm sure it's going to be slightly easier than it was in the past, but don't expect, you know, every game to be a AAA game at this point and for these things to fly out the door. Also, loading is still going to be a thing. Like... (laughs) Uh, Tim Sweeney said it's a thing I've been hearing. It's like, oh, we're done with loading. We're never going to see loading screens again. It's like, right. you're crazy. Of course we're going to see loading screens. Assets are just going to get bigger and bigger. You know, even if it can render the old stuff faster, the new stuff's going to still take a while to render. I'd yeah. love to be wrong, but like, I don't think loading screens are a thing of the past. I know? do think it's going to be one of those things, end of the generation for next generation, we're going to look back at the messaging and be like, oh, okay. All right. Of course we overshot it. We always do. Yeah. yeah, there's always a scaling there because you know you you I think we expected like hey PS4 you're gonna have 60 frames per second on everything because that's what that's what a power bump would mean but you know I think they'll just make bigger games using the the ease of technology so I don't think you'll see I don't think we'll see sequels come out faster and I don't think we'll see like a lot of companies like making smaller games with that same tech I just think you'll see companies scaling to match what that tech can do yeah. Steve Biddo says, hello, with backwards compatibility being the standard for next generation, what is the future of remasters and remakes? Bring them on. Bring them on. Like, but how I know there was a period where people were getting so, you know, not bored, but it's like, oh man, everything's getting an HD re-release and everything. I've always been in favor of that. It's been a great way to discover stuff. Like we talked about uh, Sly Cooper earlier. I discovered that because of that. It's a great way to replay games and, you know, remove from the hype and everything. Like I, I remaster, remake, HD, up-res, any of that stuff, give me all of them. Yeah, it's a weird thing. I remember when the, well, I guess when this gen started, there was so much talk about like, well, how are they going to do remasters? Like, you know, they can't just slap HD on there. It makes no sense. And it's like, yeah, they still just kind of do that. I guess, although mm-hmm. at this point now, the generation, it's like, okay, now everything's just getting a full-on remake from the PlayStation era and it all seems glorious. Although, Dan, yeah. oh, go ahead, Jim. Well, yeah, even even if game even if the new systems can play, you know, every game from the PlayStation catalog or whatever, that's not going to automate it doesn't mean people wouldn't want to play a prettier or a more polished version of that or one that explores new ideas within that framework, you know, like Final Fantasy VII. Obviously no other game's gonna be to that scale probably, but I I'm sure a lot of developers are looking at it and saying like yeah, imagine the things that we could add to this beloved classic game and then sell it again to people. Yeah. Have they said if the uh, new consoles are backwards compatible? Yeah. They, are. Series they both are. Definitely is. PlayStation 5 is a little... 
where they say like a thousand games will definitely play. They've had some weird wording. Yeah, top 100. Yeah, yeah, so it's a little iffy, but it seems like it's on the right track at least. Um, Got it. Uh, Dan, where are you at with Final Fantasy VII Remake? Because it was very frustrating to have you text me when you started it like, oh, this is the best. I've never loved a JRPG like this. And then you texted me like, oh, I don't know if I want to keep going. Well, I'll tell you, I, I really, I think it's really, really well done. I don't have, uh, I played the original one, a, a good chunk of it. I don't have any strong nostalgia for it. Great music and stuff. But I love the combat system. But as I kept going and getting closer to like what I knew was like the end of the Midgar section, I just didn't feel like things were progressing that much as far as like, yeah, I was getting the like proficiencies on the weapons, but like the materia system wasn't like super deep. Um, I didn't think they played off each other well. Maybe I just don't know how to do it right or whatever, but like it was the combat system that was really grabbing me from the beginning uh, of the remake and I just, I still feel like I'm kind of doing the same stuff in combat. I'm getting like a new summon that's really cool. Like I I think a lot of the design is really awesome, but um, ultimately like I've played through Midgar. I kind of know where this goes um, and the combat's not uh, evolving enough. You're just done. What's that? You're just throwing in the towel. No, I, in fact, as I was texting you, I was still playing that night and, and I played a couple hours past that and like, I'll probably finish it, I think, but, uh, it's, it's all right. <laughs> That's such a bummer. Uh, like I was so excited for you that you were coming in so hot on this thing. Like, yeah, we got him. Dan's now a Final Fantasy seven fan. It's like, eh, Peter's out, but I mean, it was the combat. I like the combat a lot. Yeah. You should try just getting experimental with the builds, like resetting, uh, the upgrades for the different weapons and trying to push characters different ways. Like a really fun one that somebody wrote into our deepest dive about was just trying to make Barrett just this absurd tank. Uh, and then also mm. he has provoke, so he's taking all the attacks from everybody else. Like I think the materia system, if you want to spend the time to you know, tinker with it, can be really fun and experimental towards the end there. It just really frustrated me that like I wanted to start doing that stuff, and I think I remember Tifa having steel uh, or using her as like my thief originally, and so I gave her the steel materia, and I've tried it every single fight, and she's it, never uh, stolen a single thing. The steel is like the worst and most confusing mechanic. In what is it? Do they have to be like near death, or what's the deal? I've tried it when they're near death, Dan. I've tried it when they when they've been staggered. Like that bullshit doesn't work. I don't understand it. I think it is just random. I think there's just depending on the enemy and what item they're giving you, there's just a chance that the item will drop or not. Yeah, it's like I think it's really cool that it exists and they obviously put so much work into it. Yeah. And I think of it like the way Hansen, I know Hansen holds seven in very high regard. And it's gotta be just like a kid in a candy store for it's you awesome. seeing yeah. it like so blown out. It's like if they redid Metal Gear um for me to that level i would just be so fascinated with every little thing that they added so i totally get why you would you know be smitten by it but it's not holding me uh near the end okay uh you know skip the uh side quest in chapter 14 by the way i think i'm just about to get there so i'm gonna skip those fly through that thing uh jeremy clark says shield parry or dodge 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 jeffem Dodge. Wow. Universal dodge. Parry, it's too hard. I'm not I'm not good enough for that parry stuff. Yeah. There's a lot more risk reward, whereas dodge always seems like the right option in every situation. Yeah. Uh Mark Ramirez says, Hey Ben and the Peeps, I recently started playing Hyperdot. It's on Game Pass and it's great. Oh yeah, that game that we we're talking about on the podcast for weeks and weeks. Yeah, it's cool to see. Um and it hits that sweet spot of relaxing and yet stressful. Dan, have you played Hyperdot yet? Hyperdot? Yeah, I texted you about mm-hmm. it. It's gonna it'll you it'll did? Yeah, it'll tie into that kind of Geometry Wars or even uh, Robotron 2084, which I know you love. Uh, just I'll make a, a note right now. A simple arcade game of, hey, dodge these shapes on the screen. 
Yeah, it's it's very good. Series of challenges. Hey Siri, remind me to play Hyperdot. One second. Yeah. <laughs> it says hyper diet, but I'll remember. <laughs> Hanson told me to go on a hyper diet. I don't know. <laughs> now I can't eat for a month. Oh yeah, thanks, Hanson. Uh so, do a wolf hell. I don't know. Mark says, <laughs> Do you have a game that helps you unwind but also stresses you out? Hmm. I mean the puzzle games in general, like Tetris and and uh, Luminez, like those games are weird. Like they start out very relaxing, and you you see your you know the blocks coming down. But you hit a point if you're doing well where you're like, oh crap, oh crap, oh crap. Right. But I guess it's it's like even though the games are stressful, it's just nice to be fully consumed by something other than your real life. Like with a, even like some you know more intense music games that I'll go to. Just like I just want to fully think about this for a little bit and nothing else. Punch yeah. out. Oh really? Mike Tyson's Punch Out. It yeah just legitimately like i'm just so nervous the whole time when i'm fighting tyson I, i've done tyson like several times on stream lately something i'll just like if i don't want to start a new chapter in paper mario it's like i'll just do a tyson fight and it stresses me out so much but it's still like there's that familiarity of that game that i love yeah what is it about punch out that you love so much it's just the purest f-ing video game it's a series of boss fights and pattern recognition and reflexes and timing and uh it has nothing to do with boxing it's not a sports game it is just it's shadow of the colossus it's a series of boss fights. I, that's um, only like the 93rd best game of all time. I don't even know why you'd bring it up. Uh, Mike Tyson's Punch Out, I think, might be like in the top 10. Um, oh. It's, it's, I could see someone arguing it being the best game of all time. Wow, there it is. Uh, Hans Kleinenberg says, can you tell us a bit about the upcoming Hanson and Cork show now that the goal has been met? Uh, yeah, Dan, we hit a Patreon goal. And so uh, we're creating a new show with Jeff Cork. I like uh, that guy. Yeah, it'll be very what's fun. It about, wait, is this about some Hanson band, or is this going to be, what's the show? Yeah, we're going to be covering the band Hanson uh, on this new <laughs> show. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, no, so we, we had a podcast. I guess it's still going on if there's ever any new news about the band AFI and also uh, Twilight Zone. Uh, I guess those are part of the MinMax network, but they're kind of dormant. But we're going to be starting a new one that's a little bit bigger. Um, it is central to what we're doing here at MinMax, and we're going to be talking about it more in the future. The plan is to make it also a live show, and there's going to be a heavy, heavy amount of community involvement with it. So please look forward to that. We'll talk about it soon. But thank you, everybody, for uh, hitting that goal. That's incredible. And so Cork, you know, you know, you remember Cork, Dan. He's like, he's, he's the best. Great. Sometimes he's a tricky read. And it's like, is he into this? And like, he has been at 110% in text about like, I'm so excited to get started. I cannot wait. Let's do it. I'm so excited about this idea. So it's rare to have Cork just like firing in all cylinders. And so it's a super exciting time. You're getting the best Cork. Yeah, the best Cork. Uh, Tyler Carver says, hello, beautiful people. Oh, I guess he didn't see Dan's camera. <laughs> He says, Come on! Hey, why do you think no one's talking about Amazon Game Studios releasing Crucible? It seems like the fact that Amazon has finally released something from their game studios out into the wild should be notable uh, or at least get a mention. Yet I find nobody talking about it. Why do you think that is? Kyle, help us? Well, at the time of this recording, it literally came out like three hours ago, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they didn't even hit... They were. It was supposed to be out at... Uh, 2 p.m. Central Time here in Minnesota on Wednesday, and it took a few hours for it to go live. I got one, I got half a match in before we started recording this podcast. And it reminds me of Evolve, which I didn't expect. Oh, weird. It's 4v1? Um, kind of like Overwatch crossed with Evolve with some um, with some Dota stuff in there. Dan, you'd love it. Oh, um, great. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think I think the question stands. It's like I feel like it should have been a bigger deal leading up to it. 
just because it's like Amazon's huge. They are they've they've sort of flirted with publishing games for a long time. They've hired people, but this is like the first true big step into that into that world. But I think the reason people are kind of quiet about it is because it's like it's a genre that has a lot of competition to overcome. And, and we kind of got to just wait and see if it finds its audience before we start like getting excited about it, you know? Yeah. And it's yeah. Stuff, like, we don't know the pedigree of the studio behind it. Maybe mm-hmm. it's just messaging from Amazon, but if it was like, Oh, from the creators of blank comes crucible, but it's just been like this tech company dabbling. So it's tough to get yeah, excited yeah. at this point. It, yeah. it's, hard, it's hard to get excited about the, someone with a lot of money is making video games. Right. I, I was going to say there's, I think gamers have a healthy amount of skepticism especially especially for someone like Amazon where it's like okay you're you're a big company and you think video games are cool now you know that that doesn't mean that you're going to make a good game and you're going to have to prove it by actually releasing it and you know once we see the reviews then maybe people will care more i mean that was the sentiment before the xbox was that microsoft was just getting into games yeah that's yeah. true but then they actually proved it yep so. that's right uh, the place to play uh, GTA games two years after they're released. Uh, for That's right. That's awesome. And a version of Metal Gear Solid 2 with a bad frame rate. Oh, <laughs> but skateboarding. I don't remember the frame rate being bad. Uh, yeah, well, it was okay, but the first area of that game is raining really hard. So that was where it was the worst. Like once you got mm-hmm. out of the rain, it, it seemed okay, but that was the first impression everyone had. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> they didn't include, uh, with the HD version, they didn't include the skateboarding for Metal Gear Solid 2. Uh, like the substance stuff? So, yeah. Snake boarding, please. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, it's not the best game. All right. Uh, Hazal Muhammad says, someone give me a valid option to play on the Switch currently other than Animal Crossing. The constant discussion about this game is giving me uh, temporal whiplash. It's almost the end of May, but people be acting like it's the beginning of April with this game. Give me something, anything to shove into my Switch other than Animal Crossing. Thank you. That voxelgram thing. I don't know. I, I haven't really played it enough yet, but if it's Picross 3D, it's five bucks, and Picross is great. <laughs> hey, Siri, how about the 2D Picross? Kyle, you're on a podcast. Be a fucking professional. <laughs> um, yeah, the Picross uh, S stuff is pretty good. <laughs> All right. Uh, I just booted up, because I still am thinking a lot about Final Fantasy overall. Uh, I booted up uh, Final Fantasy 15 Pocket Edition HD which is just the weirdest thing. And the fact that you can technically play a version of Final Fantasy 15 on the Switch is bizarre. Dan, do you remember this thing? Dan? Did he freeze? <laughs> I think that's so a yes. Offended by it. <laughs> All right. Well, he looks very interested, so I'm going to keep talking. So this is the mobile version of Final Fantasy 15 where they made it all like chibi art and stuff overall. And then they made the HD version of it and it is on Switch and it kind of turns Final Fantasy 15 into like a simplified action RPG, a little bit like a secret of mana or something. It's so weird. And so I'm playing through the opening of that again. And it's, I've, I've never finished 15, but the fact that I'm kind of hesitant to go back to it, it's like, ah, it's like 30 hours. This pocket edition, it's 15 hours. It's like they cut half of the gameplay length out of it. And I know it's a lesser experience, obviously, but just to get the broad strokes of Final Fantasy 15, I think I'm going to keep going with it. So. That would be like playing Chrono Trigger on an iPhone, which you guys no. gave me endless crap no, about. No, it is completely different. This can be on a big <laughs> screen if you want it to. Um, now, what do we do about Dan looking so fascinated right now in this frozen screen on Discord? Uh, I don't know. Do we, you want to end the call and reopen it? Yeah, or Serial, you can just talk about something really interesting and Dan will look riveted by whatever you're saying. Uh, what? Oh. Switch games. Oh. oh, I guess he's gone. 
Thank God. What Switch games have I been playing? Uh, <laughs> I was, I've been kind of meaning to get back into um, the Tokyo Mirage Sessions, which I played at the beginning of the year. Um, which it's feels funny, like... I, w- I was thinking about that and how, like, you know, Animal Crossing comes out. Everyone loves Animal Crossing. And then, like, like Luigi's Mansion comes out. And everyone loves Luigi's Mansion all of a sudden. It's like, I thought that game was going to be that for that mm-hmm. game. And I feel like no one's really talked about it. Yeah, I feel like maybe in January, people were just not up for doing video game stuff because it seemed like there were all, like some pretty strong releases early on, but everyone was just like, yeah, nothing's really going to stick here until like, I feel like everyone was just kind of waiting for something to do, even though it was like, here's a good game that is uh, substantive and great. And one of those Wii U games that people wanted to see on Switch for a long time. And now it's here and nobody said anything, but yeah, um, it was weird. Hello. Hello. We've got audio. Okay. Hold my iPad. Hang on. <laughs> I don't know what the Sam Hill's going on here. Hi. Oh, weird. Okay. So just. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? All right. Well, just get close to that iPad if that works for you. Well, I'll keep trying on my laptop. Everything else is working except for Discord. Weird. All right. Well, hey, uh, the show goes on. Let's keep this sucker rolling. Um, well, the next question can obviously only be from Fred DeNovo. He says, Ahoy, hoy, folks. What is the best stale food? And, mm. then he, and then he has a good one. He says, my money's on graham crackers. They still taste good. They just get kind of soft. No, they're gross and they're soft. I mean, but in terms of stale food, I think it's up there. Do croutons count? Can they get stale? I mean, they, that's kind of the, the their whole trick is that they're like stale bread that becomes crunchy. They are delicious. Uh, pita chips. What's that, Dan? Pita chips. Pita, pita chips. That's pita good. chips. We can't hear you from the iPad world. Pita man. chips. I mean, he's saying. Wait. So what? Why are they so good stale? They just don't get gross or soft. Well, that's tough. Like. Because then you could say, like, anything. Like, oh, ice cream's the best stale food because it doesn't really change too much, right? It, ice cream completely changes. What do you mean? It, it melts. Well, no, but I'm saying you can <laughs> leave it in the freezer and it'll, you know. Oh. It gets bad at a certain point, though. I guess that's maybe that's true. Uh, I mean, I, I don't mind stale food too much. Like, if I'm out at the lake and there's, like, a big stale, a big bag of stale chips, like, I'll still eat those. It's fine. It's still... One of the best food, a good stale salty chip, realistically, right? I, I'm not with you on this. <laughs> really? It's fine. It's not one of the best food. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you put it like that, that sounds stupid. All right. Uh, is Discord working yet, Dan? I'm restarting my laptop. Okay, Try great. Uh, the Smack says, hey, Ben and the Junk Dealers. What is the first game that you can remember playing that had save points? Also, what do you think is the first game to ever have save points? Where did this concept start? Save one. What's that? Yeah. They literally placed a battery on the cartridge. That was like the big revolution of the original. Well, save points are different than save states, yes, is what he's the saying. The smack is oh, saying okay, save sure. states do not count. It has to include an object that you save at. Oh. I mean, for me, it was, it was Donkey Kong Country. But that's kind of also like was my starting line for really becoming a big gamer. Is that like so that on the like, map? Yeah. There, well, you would go to candy. Like every couple of levels, there would be a candy save station. Right. And I remember learning, which is such a weird thing to think about now, that from a friend that you could like 
you know, get to candy, save, beat a few levels, and then actually go back to candy and save your progress. I thought I thought you just had to get well enough to like to get to candy's next spot to save. Oh, and when right, my friend right. like showed me that, I was like, oh my gosh, this changes everything. I can make so much more progress in Donkey Kong Country. Yeah, you know, that's interesting. I think for me, it's probably Final Fantasy VII. Uh, um. But yeah, save points. Can anybody else think of the first time they encountered a save point? In, in the first Pokemon games, could did you have to go to the Pokemon Center to save at the PC, or could you do it anywhere? Ooh, no, I think you could do it anywhere. Okay. Didn't it Earthbound? Was it the phone or something? Earthbound had something, right? Oh, yeah, you had yeah. to call your dad at, yeah. at a phone. Yeah. Yeah, good call. Uh, but did, I don't do passwords count? Like, since you had to get to the end of the level to get the password? No, it needs to be a a point a physical okay. place you go to but yeah i tried googling around it's a tough thing to find the the origins of save states but if anybody knows please let us know or save points i should say uh daniel white uh hey last week i wrote in to ask if my joke was funny and where the hell do you all get off saying my jokes a four out of ten lol <laughs> just kidding love you guys it's nice thank you uh anyway something more personal here why does everybody hate tailing missions in games if you enjoy stealth gameplay at all isn't it just an extension of being sneaky why does he get under so many people's skin? I, for one, love the city level in Metal Gear Solid 4. It was a likely part of the job of an assassin in the Brotherhood to tail targets as well, so it typically fits in the lore context. I don't get the hate. It's because the, it, at that point, it's out of your control. You are rel- Hello? <laughs> oh my god. Everybody has frozen. Discord finally went down in minnesota as well i guess now that i'm by myself i guess i'll talk to myself that's that's chaos all right now we're going through zoom we managed to get everything back up and running (laughs) tip-top shape what a weird thing anyways yeah tailing missions yeah they're frustrating you can't choose your own pace right was that the consensus that's right (laughs) something like that yeah basically you got it that said i do like metal gear solid 4's tailing mission i love like the whistling the the sunny's theme i like that setting i like that chapter overall more than a lot of people i hated the gameplay i like the story stuff that happens there especially at the end of the chapter yeah oh my god i hated the gameplay god it's been so long but you know well the robots they dress up in the trench coat it's very silly it's very funny yes yeah and then the finger guns (laughs) that's right oh my I mean, that's incredible. That's Yeah, but that favorite. has nothing to do with the fact that that's a tailing mission. Right. That's right. true. That's true. It's great in spite of the tailing mission. I guess that's true. Dunder says, what is the most embarrassing text message you have ever sent? Uh, let me see. <laughs> the last one? <laughs> uh, I mean, nothing crazy. It's like sending the, it's always sending the wrong message to someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know? But I've never, yeah. I've thankfully never had that backfire on me to be it's just usually confusing you know like asking my friend who lives in south carolina what he needs from the grocery store you know and stuff like that this is adjacent um but i was pooping once yeah um, that's, that's the turkey for poop mm-hmm. references um and i there was somebody in the stall next to me and i was trying to screenshot something to send <laughs> to bianca but the uh the sound was on so it just made the camera shutter sound while i was pooping and Look right bad. Right, <laughs> right as your poop hit the water? Mm-hmm. Wow. Live stream. That's Periscope. amazing. Uh, Dan, I can think of one that's tough to talk about. <laughs> where hmm. uh, I thought I was being silly and took a picture of myself making a silly face on somebody's laptop, on their laptop camera, and sent it to you. And then it turns out that that person's laptop 
had a preview bar on the bottom, which had previous photos they had taken with that camera. And they were a bit much. And I remember you just being like, I need you to delete that. I think this person got on the phone with you and said, Dan... This is a very sensitive topic. I need you to not look at those. And I, I, need remember, you to I remember doing things. that. I yes. remember not knowing what the situation was until later, but I was like, okay, yes, you guys are my friends. I'll trust you on this. And I deleted it. And then I heard what it was. <laughs> that was super cool. Thank you for deleting this, yes. Dan. Yeah. Yes. That was good times. Hey, uh, Felix Davin says, hey, friendos, what's your opinion on computer case? Oh, sorry, Serial. Were you looking up a text? Yeah, I was actually looking up a text that I, I sent to Kyle. <laughs> Uh, last December where I said, sorry about the noise earlier, was making breakfast in the alarm and forgot to open a window, uh, which was meant to be sent to Leo, who lives next door. <laughs> I remember that. I think it was like a Saturday morning or something, yeah. right, wasn't it? And you just set off all the alarms in your apartment building? I set off my smoke alarm when I was making breakfast, yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, Felix Davin says, what's your opinion on computer case LEDs, yay or nay? Uh, nay. Oh. Unnecessary. Yeah, big nay. Big nay from this guy. Uh, All right, Shane Carley says, I have a game that someone submitted last week. Oh, a game that someone submitted last week inspired me to send you one of my own. Can you identify the following well-known games based on excerpts from their ESRB rating summaries? Mm. I've included three quotes from each game, starting with the hardest and getting progressively easier from there. Oh, was this a different game than the one last week? You'll see. So try and guess what game this ESRB summary is describing. Large blood splatter effects occur during battle. And that, that Mortal Kombat game with the, the blood on the floor that Dan mentioned earlier. <laughs> and some weapon attacks result in decapitation and God or War 3. dismemberment, leaving bloodstains and body parts on the ground. <laughs> God of War 3. A spanking scene is depicted from a distance... And includes a fleeting depiction of male genitalia. I do not uh, remember a dong in this game, but it's I guess it's possible. Uh cut Braid? <laughs> Ma, uh, what Mafia 2? What is it? Turtle? Mafia 2? Nope. Cutscenes also depict intense acts of violence. A man executed from the gallows, a character shooting himself in the head. A man repeatedly electrocuted and a bound man set on fire. A suffering? I repeat, a man executed from the gallows. Red Dead 2? Red Dead 1. So uh, close. Hey, I'll, I'll give it to you. Uh, you know what's weird in Paper Mario, by the way? Paper Mario 1000 near your door. Yeah. In the main hub area, there's just a gallows and a noose, and they don't explain it. Oh, yeah. It's like the centerpiece of the hub world. Does that come into play later on? I'm near the end. Yeah, I don't think so. Huh. All right. This game is rated E for everyone. One character is seen with mucus dripping from his nose. WarioWare. Players can bonk characters on the head and or push them into holes. Animal, animal Crossing. Crossing. Way to go. It's the first Animal Crossing. Uh, all right. This game is also rated E. Hang on. I need to look up what this game is. Oh, interesting. Okay. One creature is seen with a large drop of mucus hanging from its nose. Wind Waker. <laughs> How dare you call that man a creature? He's a n- noble soul. How dare you call that boy a man? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I don't know. All right, melee style attacks, for example, rolling, scratching, bouncing, are also used 
as impact sounds, light effects, and diminishing health bars indicate damage. Players select various attacks, e.g. How do you say that, by the way? The EG? It's it's like Latin. You just say EG. Why not just... Okay. E.g. Fire, lightning, electricity from a menu to defeat enemies. The Dragon Quest? No. Eight? No. Pokemon. Pokemon. Uh, All right. Game four. Oh. All right. Uh, Rated M. As the game progresses, the storyline sometimes references sexual material. (laughs) E.g. Saints the third. (laughs) E.g. When this is over, I'm getting laid. And quote... Shower of the Colossus. <laughs> come on. Were oil and lubricants involved? Was there moaning? I don't remember that quote from this game at all. Rock Legend of the Gabos. <laughs> I, uh, is it GTA 3? <laughs> no. Cutscenes huh. depict other instances of violence. An alien shooting herself in the head with a pistol. <laughs> and Destroy a, all humans? No. <laughs> I think S Effect. Mass Effect 3. Oh. But I do think that was her final line in the game as right before she shot herself was destroy all humans. <laughs> oh my god. Uh okay. Uh this game is rated E. One brief sequence depicts a battlefield strewn with the bodies of enemy creatures. In the background, a few bodies appear to be impaled by spears. Spears. During the course of the game, a shop owner tells the character. That she only serves, quote, drinks that are definitely just for adults. Players can also encounter a drunken character that occasionally hiccups. Breath of the Wild. <laughs> Breath of the Wild! Jeff Marchiafava! Wow. You guys even played that game? They're <laughs> fake fans. The game contains some mildly suggested material. Material, yeah. Blah, fairies with moderate cleavage and or exaggerated sized breasts. Yeah. Can you imagine they put that in there? Uh, okay, last game. Rumble. Players, this is rated M, players have the ability to shoot non-adversary civilians, though this may negatively affect players' progress. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2? Players' characters can at various times consume alcohol and drive while under the influence. Is it a Grand Theft Auto game? Grand Theft Auto 4. Grand Theft Auto 5. Mm. Nudity is present, however, primarily in two settings, a topless lap dance in a strip club and location that includes male cult members with exposed genitalia in a non-sexual context. <laughs> Thank you, Shane. What a, what a wild one. Uh, Dan. Wait, wh- who are they to say what is and what is not a sexual context? <laughs> we'll true, define true. that. Uh, Dan, do you have a favorite question? Uh, I think that's a fun one. I like game show trivia type things. I'm going to go with that one. Yeah, I like the save points one as well from the smack. I think that's a really interesting thing that I've never really thought about, like going to a certain location. But yeah, I think Shane, you did it. Congratulations, Shane Carley. You just got uh, the vinyl soundtrack for The Messenger, which looks awesome. And by the way, I did open this, but this is our copy. I'm 8-Bit. We'll ship you out one from their warehouse. So thank you, Shane. All right. Thanks, everybody that wrote in. Um, And now it's time for something we call Get a Load of This. Jeff Marchiafava. Uh Hey, get a load of this. Uh, I like French toast. Mm-hmm. You should make some. It's good. <laughs> Did you really not get to get a load of this? No, honestly, for the past like three days, I have logged on to Twitter looking for like a fun, quirky story. Yeah. And everything is about the inspector general getting fired over some... <laughs> 
like because he was investigating an arms deal and now okay. the president's taking experimental drugs. All right, all right. It's, so just get off the internet and just go make some French toast. That's great. All right, we'll take it. Uh, Surreal? Uh, yeah, so there's a new Mortal Kombat expansion coming out. Uh, and part of that is they're adding friendships back into the game. And so Netherrealm posted one of Kitana's friendships. I don't know if characters will have more than one. And her friendship involves just Melina coming out and like them playing patty cakes for a little while. And I think the tweet that they mentioned said like, hey, uh, characters have friendships now. Uh, no, Melina is not playable. And if you've been following the narrative of Mortal Kombat 11, people are like straight up pissed that Melina is not in that game. So it feels like weirdly antagonistic. Like it felt like a weird tweet to see just for them to lean into the like, it feels like a, even as someone who's not a Melina fan, that felt like yeah. a middle finger to fans to say like, it almost felt like it was laughing at people who wanted Melina in the game. So it was a really weird post to see. And it just kind of like, I've been thinking about that post since they've made it as like a, what, like, why do that? Why why go out of your way to antagonize fans that way? Even though it's like a cool, you know, like the, the friendship itself is cool. So you'd rather have just, no Melina cameo whatsoever? I, I would rather people discover that on their own. Like yeah. for them for them to make it like the social media post that it's like, hey, everybody, Melina's not playable. <laughs> like everybody be aware that she continue, the, the thing that you're frustrated by continues to be true. So it, it was a weird like social media post to see. And, and there's yeah. not like a whole lot to take away from that other than like, maybe don't do that i don't know it's, yeah it's kind of borderline because it is fun it's like the, the friendship itself is cool but i don't know i've been thinking about that post since i saw it i get it uh dan did you have thoughts on the terminator versus robocop uh, trailer i did not see it uh what, what is that <laughs> so mortal kombat 11 aftermath uh robocop's in it i heard that okay and they released a trailer today where they show robocop versus terminator it's very fun where robocop's like I believe we've fought before somewhere and Terminator's like, I do not have records of this. And Robocop's like, I'm quite certain we've done this before somewhere. It's like a reference to like the Genesis game, I guess, which is cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's fun. Uh, Kyle, you have one? Uh, Hey, get a load of this. There's a new podcast that came out called uh, Talking Games with Reggie and Harold. Oh, weird. Uh, And the first episode went live yesterday, I think, at the time of this recording. And that's uh, the Reggie and that is Reggie Fizeme. And it's it's the the podcast is meant to raise money for the New York's New York Games uh, Circle Critics Circle, which like raises money to help uh, students who are homeless in New York City. And that is like the thrust of the podcast. Like that's like the majority of the podcast is talking about that. But like. I wanted to recommend it because there are a couple good Reggie stories in it. He talks about his first time meeting Miyamoto, Ooh. which is a fun story. And he also talks about uh, right before he went on stage at his first E3 uh, appearance, someone who worked for Nintendo but didn't know Reggie yet thought he was a bouncer and like like nervously showed them their like ID to be like, I- I'm supposed to be here. And, <laughs> <laughs> oh, weird. Um, and then next week, apparently Phil Spencer is going to be on. So it's going to be Phil Spencer and Reggie fils talking. That's which, really cool. So like I the, I was kind of hesitant. I was like, I don't know how what this podcast is going to be, but like it's 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 interesting and it's not super long. It's like forty minutes. So uh, I would I'd recommend it. Yeah. Uh, by the way, on the podcast front, I heard that uh, the Ringer, Bill Simmons' podcast network, they have a new podcast called Boom Bust that's all about the rise and fall of HQ. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I have to check it out. Uh, Dan, do you have a get a load of this? Yes, get a load of this. Woo! Uh, it's visual, so hope you podcast listeners like that. Love um, it. 
It is a, uh, if you go to a guy, uh, it's at underscore RD Daniel. Are you guys familiar with Bon Appetit, the YouTube channel? No. It's uh, it's the old ass uh, food magazine, uh, but they've like moved to YouTube in a way that seems like extremely forward thinking, and it seems like a very modern YouTube channel offering. I, I it got on my radar because people uh, compared it to like they told me it was the giant bomb of food, basically. Where it's like really, yeah, they're all like these really uh, like talented chefs and everything, but it's like the, the personalities are big things. So it's like a a group of people that make food videos, and I don't care about cooking at all, but like they they present it in a really fun way. And there's a girl named Claire that her whole thing is she makes gourmet versions of like Starburst or Sour Patch Kids or something. And so, and, and it's really cool seeing her like unwrap and she'll be like, ah, I haven't tried a, a Starburst in, you know, five years. And she'll eat it and be like, okay, well, I think it's this and this and this. And seeing her like for 20 minutes basically like put stuff in the oven, be like, oh, that's not right. That's too hard. So it's, it's a really, really cool thing. But anyway, the tweet is uh, from they're doing like home stuff on Zoom, the Bon Appetit chefs. And there's a uh, thing where she holds up olive oil. She's just holding up olive oil to the camera to show off like what she's using. And the tweet says, it's a screen cap of a YouTube comment that says, when Claire held the olive oil at 6.01, she looked like an Animal Crossing character showing you the bug they caught. And then there are the two pictures, and it is uncanny. It is her holding it out with the other arm out to the side and like proudly displaying it <laughs> next to a picture of an Animal Crossing character and a bug. And it's it's perfect. That's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> hey, get a load of this. Um, last week, Devolver Digital, the official Twitter account, tweeted... Get Grand Theft Auto V for free when you purchase Observation on the Epic Game Store for a limited time. And they have a link to the Observation uh, purchase page. Um, and I thought, boy, that's a weird thing, because obviously GTA V, they're releasing for free for everybody. Uh, and so I looked at the responses, and it was an avalanche of people saying, isn't this illegal? Isn't this false advertising? What are you doing? Uh this cannot be legal. Just everyone was like, you can't just say this. You can't say that this is how you get that is by buying observation. Um, and I went back and checked it today and they had pulled that tweet down. So <laughs> Devolver Digital found its limits of how far it can push things. And it turns out false advertising is the edge of that boundary. So but, congratulations. But they were being cheeky, right? So it's not like you can't prosecute them for being cheeky. You can't That's put a cheeky brand. soul in jail. No yeah, jail exactly. can contain a cheeky soul. Jeff, um, we have a community right. get a load of this that we pulled from the Discord. I have a real one. Yeah. You know, I and I I considered stealing one from the community, but I didn't want to do that. You're a classy man. I'll just be wrong. Uh, this was from Nick Asian Perk, uh, and he was uh, re, he he shared a tweet from Gary Witta talking about animal talking breaking news starting in in June. Uh, Danny Trejo is going to have his own He's going to be an Animal Crossing correspondent, taking us around his island and introducing us to all his animals and friends. <laughs> so, you know, he was one of the people that everyone was like, oh, he's playing the game now. But yeah. apparently they're going full hog on that and have never seen any of his movies, apparently. Or That's so wild. And like, mind, but... I saw a clip from that Animal Talking show, which, you know, was mentioned previously. I think was it Jill that brought it up? Some former intern. Um, but... It was just a clip of Danny Trejo and uh, Elijah Wood and then Gary Witta just spinning in circles on that set. And it's like, yeah, what a weird world we're in. But hey, that's it. It's a real wild world. Dan, thank you yes. for being here. Of course. Anytime. As much as I love uh, sitting in a room by myself and talking at a camera about video games, sometimes it's uh, it's nice to, to see your faces. I enjoy talking to every one of you. 
yeah. even Kyle. So uh, oh, thanks so much thank for inviting you. me. Yeah. Anything you want to plug? Uh, yes. Uh, I do a podcast with uh, my wife, Bianca, who has been on uh, Min Max on Min Tracks yeah. with Matt Hogeson. We do one called Panning the Stream, where we just watch uh, Netflix, Hulu, Disney+, Plus, Amazon Prime Video, all that stuff. We watch uh, old and new, and then we talk about it. If uh, anybody wants to listen to it, maybe hop into the one with Ben Hansen here. Uh, we covered Son of the Mask. <laughs> it's the sequel to The Mask, starring Jamie Kennedy instead of Jim Carrey. So uh, find that episode. That's got Ben Hansen. Yeah, I just found out, by the way, uh, during research for Phil Tippett, because we interviewed him, talking about Jurassic Park and his ending Star Wars and stuff. Um, it turns out his studio was responsible for the visual effects in Son of the Mask. So I mean, the visual effects might have been one of the better parts of that movie. You know, you aren't wrong. Uh, Dan, it frustrates me to no end that you watched Inside Out, You've watched yeah. animated movies, but you still refuse to watch the Lego movie. I'm not refusing to. It, I, in fact, I have brought it up several times. I, I have brought it up over the last couple of years. I brought it up to Bach a couple of times. Ooh. And uh, I didn't get a lot of interest there, but I, I would not be against it by any means. You will laugh at that film. You will enjoy that movie. I, I, I would like to. I'll, I'll give it a shot. Dan, you're so open-minded. I feel like the last time I brought this up, it was still just a brick wall of, ah, that's stupid. It's a Lego thing. I've gotten better at that. My Not God. perfect, but I've uh, gotten better. Have you covered Last Dance on ESPN? Uh, there's no way I'd be able to get Bonk to watch that. Man. There's is... no way. Really? There's no if way. She, if she's nostalgic about the 90s at all, I feel like that'll bring it all out. I love that, man. I've gone whole hog on Bill Simmons' podcast and diving into Michael Jordan in a way I never expected from that thing. It's so good. Hmm. I, I considered checking it out, but I was like, mm, I don't think she would have any interest whatsoever in this. Oh, that sucks. But that's very <laughs> sweet. Uh, and your Twitch channel? Yes, it's uh, my name. It's just twitch.tv slash Dan Reichert. Uh, and yeah, do a lot of video game stuff there. Be uh, starting Beautiful Joe, Mercenaries, Punch Out We, Punch uh, Baseball. You know, video games, right? Awesome. Great, Dan. Thank you so much for being here. And thanks to our $50 uh, supporters at patreon.com slash minmax. Two ends. Captain Stubbs one. I'm 8-Bit. Jawar Hello. Rob Hudak. Zachary Pliggy. Beaten Down Brian. The Smack. Mark Seliga. Andrew Valla. Mirko Arrico Torreno. Jesse Vitelli. Yarrow. Michael Jacques. Adam Walker. Ludwig Roque. Andrew Stanford. Matthew Paxton. James Smith. And David Lacalucci. Thanks so much, everybody. Be good. Have fun. Let's go. Let's go.